Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silva and Gold. Coming to the ring from parts unknown, the combined weight of 853 pounds, Piccolo and Dr. Zong. Welcome to Silver and Gold, Daddy. I'm the Loaf, and with me, Dr. Zahn. Hello. He just woke up. Yeah. Yeah. This week, uh, we're doing uh, a prison prison politics double feature with a uh, review of Short Eyes from 1977 and Animal Factory from 2000. Uh, should be interesting. Talk about some raises and butt fucking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Zom, how are you, sir? I'm all right. I, I have a pen in my mouth. I just took it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I have uh, my mouth feels really pasty and dry, and I'm ready to go. My lips are nice. Do you need a you need a drink of Waddies? I don't know. We'll have to do that during the break. The break. We don't take yeah. breaks. The break. Powering through. Power. How was your week? Anything exciting? Nah. Anything new? Mm. No, nothing at all. Um, I was sick this week. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Like yeah, like yeah, so, uh, Ebola. Yeah, Ebola of the throat and nose. The so last week when we were doing the show, I I took a, I did take a break at one point, and um. Uh, told Zama I had to go get some Pepto Ooh. Um, because I thought I had really bad heartburn. My throat was burning, and I had just eaten these two black bean burgers and drank beer, and so I was just like, ugh, man. I was like, my, I thought my esophagus was on fire. Well, lo and behold, middle of the night I wake up, and it is not. <laughs> it was actually a sore throat starting. So um, I called out of work on Sunday and watched a shitload of movies, and I thought I was better, and I went to work Monday, and by the end of the day, I'm like, yeah. So I called out again on Tuesday and watched a shitload more movies. and um, But I'm better now. Well, I mean, I still <laughs> still sound a little snotty, but I feel fine. So, Well, that's good. At least you're yeah. – uh, you're, you're, uh, maybe this will be your only um, sick time, and you'll be back. I, 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 I'll say – with what I'm doing now, now granted I'm still in a crowded store, but I'm touching a lot fewer gross things. So fingers crossed. Oh, fewer <laughs> gross things. Yeah. So uh, what have you been watching this week? Well, let's see here. I watched uh, a Michael Bay movie, Uh-oh. and then I watched something else. Now I watched The <laughs> Island, uh, directed by Michael Bay, with uh, the mm-hmm. very uh, 
Bodacious Scarlett Johansson, uh, mm-hmm. Ewan McGregor, who, you know, with as much money as he has, why doesn't he get that mole right in the middle of his forehead removed? It's not that <laughs> bad, but it's kind of noticeable. Sean Bean, uh, Steve Buscemi, which we are going to talk about Buscemi yeah. this uh, this week. Um, it's like a Logan's run of the future kind of a thing. Michael Bay, you know, you know what I'm saying. No, I'm saying, yeah. I've uh, never seen that one. Oh, it's 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 all right. I mean, you know, it's okay. He's so, so stylized and everything, but Scarlet's hot, and uh, Sean Bean's always a good baddie. Um, I watched 1952's The Greatest Show on Earth, directed by Cecil B. DeMille. And, uh, yes. and it stars a very young Charlton Heston, um, a very sassy uh, Betty Hutton, and Jimmy Stewart with uh, a lot of uh, clown makeup on the entire time. <laughs> Cornell Wilde plays the great Sebastian. It's got some hot chicks in it. It's got uh, some musical numbers, and it's it's fun. It's like kind of like an old um, uh, favorite. Even though now that you know, I kind of know more about circuses. I I kind of despise them uh, yeah. because of animal abuse. But uh, I like the movie. It's very colorful. I watched uh, Dan Cohen. As Dan M. Cohen, um, it's 2000 uh, movie Diamond Men. Now this stars the reason, only reason I watched it was because it stars Robert Forster, and he produced and I think his wife. I've seen that. Yeah, Donnie Wahlberg's the uh, other person in it. it. It's okay. It's it's nothing like uh, that sets your world on fire, but it's on Netflix right. instant. And Robert Forster actually. His hair plugs, I mean, he kind of has his hair grown out, so his hair doesn't look bad. Uh, He's kind of got the Jackie Brown hair, which looks pretty good. But here lately, he's been, like, cutting it really short, and you can really see how horrible they look. Uh, I watched 2012. This is another one that was the poster on Netflix Instant is what got me to put it in my queue and I didn't know what to expect, but it's uh, 2012's Battleground, a.k.a. Skeleton Lake. Um, <laughs> yeah. Written and directed by Neil McKay. Uh, and uh, it doesn't have anybody in it that you'd know. It uh, must be a low-budget, uh, straight-to-DVD kind of a deal. But it's not bad. It's kind of uh, Reservoir Dogs meets... Um, I don't know, like uh, Tommy Lee Jones and This Park is Mine, except the guy's more like kind of Travis Bickle, crazy uh, Vietnam vet guy. Um, So, And it's got a blonde (laughs) in it that's got some big titties. And and Scarlett had really super blonde hair in The Island, and the chick in this has really super blonde hair, like almost white, but really, really blonde. I watched 2014's Chef, Chef. Uh, Chef, yeah. Chef, starring or directed by Jean Favreau. Writer, the writer is Jean Favreau. It stars Jon Favreau. It has a hell of a cast. Leguizamo, um, John Favreau, John Favreau, <laughs> two big titted <laughs> women that are hot: Sofia Vergara, Scarlett, <laughs> Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. Blah, blah 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 blah. It's a, it's it's a kind of a feel good kind of a movie. It's a nice movie, nice movie, feel good movie. It's not bad. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to put. It. I mean, it's not that I hate it or anything. It's just like a, 
very feely good movie. And John Favreau too feel good for being a for being nah. a sad bastard. And you're like, yeah, fuck this happy shit. No, it was happy. I, I think <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it has, uh, it has 19- a happy poster. Yeah, happy poster, <laughs> happy poster, happy movie. 1975's Bite the Bullet, uh, directed by Richard Brooks, written by Richard Brooks, stars Gene Hackman, Coburn, uh, Candice Bergen, Jan Michael Vincent, Vincent, yeah, and uh, like a, that sounds like a good one. Ben Johnson, Ian Banning. Uh, this is a it's a it's a uh, western. Like we always talk about how uh, the westerns that take place at the turn of the century, you know, some mm-hmm. a lot of times they're really good because you have the um, the, the you know people trying to adjust to to new things like uh, the old old uh, first cars and stuff like that. But it it basically revolves around a, a cross country race, almost like a Cannonball Express except on horses. Uh, and um, Gene Hackman's fucking so awesome in this. It's got it's a lot of fun, but it's got some really uh, good emotional moments. And uh, I, this is another one that um, it's a if you're like an animal lover. You know, it's it's kind of got some stuff about that, comments on that. Candace Bergen, I never thought she was that, like, great of an actress. I thought she was kind of, she always thought she was kind of wooden, but she's very young in this, and she's kind of pretty. <laughs> I watched today Sam Fuller's White Dog, 1982. Nice. Uh, now, this stars Christy McNichol, who is uh, famous from TV fame. Uh, and to Sammy's lady, Sammy, Sammy's lady, Sammy loves, Sammy loves her. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, this one, it's also got the guy from, uh, I think, uh, Simon and Simon, Jameson Parker and, uh, mm-hmm. um, what's his face? Oh God. Oh, I'm drawing a blank on the one guy's name, yeah. but anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, this is another it has a lot of um, interesting ideas because yeah. it deals a lot with racism. And, you know, if you can kind of try and help someone that's been like programmed or trained to be racist. Um, but in, it, it almost came really close to feeling like a, um, made for TV movie. You know, I don't know, maybe it was, but no, I don't think it was, but uh, it just, uh, I was, I had seen the, uh, the post that one's on criterion. Yeah. The poster and the, um, the, the concept of it. And of course it's Sam Fuller, you know, is what attracted me to it. But then I didn't know Christy McNichol was like the star of it. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, huh? You know, cause she's <laughs> very, uh, ever remember her being in anything really uh, deep uh, that wasn't she was in pirate movie yeah. and and an empty nest <laughs> empty nest but it's not bad as i'm as i was watching it um i kept there were times where i was like you know this isn't this is uh i don't know not very good but then the subject matter what they were actually doing really held me held me there in there so right but so anyway you know i'd give it a you know middle of the road deal and i watched uh the road or if not the road uh road to bali 1952 uh directed by hal walker and uh this is a bing crosby bob hope road movie 
And they're fucking fun. I mean, I think that um, <laughs> I remember these from when I was a little kid, seeing a couple of them. And first of all, they have really good chemistry, comedic chemistry together. They're, right. The movies are so lighthearted. They have musical numbers and stuff like that. But they're a throwback movie. But it's fun to watch those two, like, dance and sing and, and then uh, how they interact with, with uh, women, especially Bob Hope because he's, he's fucking pretty fucking funny. Uh, some of his uh, – facial gestures and and just his little kind of almost kind of like groucho marks kind of like little smart comments that he just comes up with and he breaks the fourth wall a few times which is pretty funny um so anyway that's all i have i didn't watch a lot because um watched a lot uh wrestling i watched um watch the pirates get hammered watch the pirates get the fucking shit beat up and I, I can't understand that you know some people were like oh i don't want them to win the division because then they'll have to go up against so-and-so but at least then <laughs> you have you know four chances to to uh yeah. to do something yeah that one game bullshit. the wild fuck the wild card now <laughs> yeah i don't like that one like my, my buddy and i were talking or my brother-in-law were talking today the wild card's great if your team wins when you got a one one game deal but i mean it's yeah. kind of like if you just have a bad day one game is tough in baseball oh yeah you can you know anything can happen i mean eight nothing Ooh, yeah the and then the um poor nationals now facing the giants and like losing it late both times fucking last night i don't know if you paid attention to that at all the longest postseason game in history how long did how many it, extra innings did they go they went they they went to 18 innings uh, and it was just i think the game I, th- I think it was seven hours long Ugh. the game was well yeah no, it was I brutal i probably slept for seven hours uh it was a long day yesterday <laughs> i went and got a i bought a new car nice um I bought a nice car. I bought a car that I usually, you know, something that uh, has all the bells and whistles, has the touch screen, uh, uh, serious satellite and all that shit. It's got the beat sound system that I guess is that Dr. Dre, uh, which I don't know anything about. <laughs> he does. He does beats. I don't know if he, I don't, I don't know. But the thing is, is uh, I usually only listen to podcasts in, in my cars. <laughs> and Bob Seger. Yeah. It's, well, not even that much anymore, but you know, it's like. Well, I crank up the subwoofer in the in the trunk, you know. To listen. Watch that sub when uh, when Sammy's talking on Gentleman's Guide; it'll fucking blow you out. Oh yeah, he's got the power. <laughs> he's got, he got some power. He does down deep. He brings it from the nuts. <laughs> but that's it. That's it. Um, that's about it. Um, like I said, I watched a shitload, so I'll kind of truck through them here. You did I was watching um, your Facebook as you were sick? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um. I watched uh, Tai Guk Gi or Tai Guk Gi, The Brotherhood of War. Um, it's a Korean drama, almost melodrama. It's um, it's two brothers, uh, one of which gets inadvertently drafted into the South Korean army, and the other one just goes to in to protect his brother because that's, so the rule was you weren't supposed to have two people of the same family going in. I have seen that. Um, you have yes. Um, it was, it got a little, like you said, a little fl- little, little sappy at times, but it was good. And it was, there was some brutal stuff in it. Um, you know, it's, it, I liked it, you know, but I've seen better. Um, let's see. I watched rage 2014 and speaking of seeing better, almost every movie I watched this week is better than this. <laughs> is that uh, this Cage? is a Nicholas Cage movie. Yeah. And ugh. <laughs> he, it's it's like taken yeah. 
but but he's not like some former secret agent. He's a former like I don't know what he's supposed to be. Actor. Some kind of like he was mu- muscle for an organized crime, but now he works in under the mayor or something. And like like the revenge stuff was kind of cool, I guess, but the whole like the story was not interesting at all. And, Cage cashing a check. Yeah, and he didn't seem into it all that much. He, there was only one like cagey moment, like where he was saying like, "No, don't you die on me!" But other than that, it was just kind of like, "Eh." Oh, I feel bad for him. Um, let's see. I watched the Left Hand of God. Well, I started one. So, Left Hand of God is a Humphrey Bogart movie, pretty late yeah. Bogart movie. Um, I started one that John Ford directed, and it was a comedy. A Bogart movie from like 1930, and it was not good. I watched about 20 minutes of it. I was like, "Turn this shit off." I don't even remember the name of it now. Um, but this that was Bogart's first first role ever, too. And he 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 did, it was not a big one. He was a it was a prison movie, but it was a comedy, and not like I didn't laugh once. It was not funny. Mm. Um, Left Hand of God is uh, There's Bogart some and funny shit in that, like Lee J. Cox, <laughs> Chinese. Yeah, yeah, with the Chinese eyes oh, that I like. I, I, I didn't understand the point because there were so many Asian actors in yeah. this movie. Why couldn't they just get one more? Yeah. to play a warlord. And I love Lee J. Cobb. <laughs> I mean, but it's just like why it looks. It yeah. just did not look good. No, it looked silly. But um, you know, Bogart is Bogart. Um, he's not Big very convincing as a priest. He does a giant fucking. I was watching this man, and he when he gets close to uh, Gene. Gene Tierney, mm-hmm. like seriously, like he could open his mouth and fit her whole head inside his mouth. <laughs> oh God, he's just. <laughs> uh, and when he, you know, if he ever he he had the robe on most of this movie, but whenever he takes his shirt off, you can really see it. Like um, like uh, African Queen, his head looked really big in that one. Poor guy. Um, this was this was good. He plays a a priest. Well, I'm not gonna say too much, but. He's in the in, in the the wilds of China, and there's kind of this standoffish type thing with a warlord that lives in the mountains nearby. And um, it, was, it was interesting. It wasn't great, but I liked it. That'd be um, funny if they, I, if if uh, he like they actually incorporated into the story that Lee J. Cobb was not Chinese, and he was like, "I know this guy. He's wearing that stupid <laughs> rank up and trying to." He didn't. Like I mean, Chinese. he didn't even do an Asian accent. I know. He didn't. He looked Russian more than anything. I thought he was going to – I thought, you know, whatever. Um, I also watched a Samuel Fuller this week. Okay. Um, this was uh, an, one of my 4 a.m. I Can't Sleep movies. Uh, I shot Jesse James from 1949. Mm-hmm. Never heard of it. Um, this is a little short western about uh, Robert Ford, and it's kind of the same story as the I shot – uh, the you know yeah. not I shot Jesse James the, the other one right the assassination except that one is about the build up to the assassination this the assassin uh, the assassination happens it's not really even a, an assassination he just shot him in the back yeah um but it, it happens early on in the movie and the rest of it is him like dealing with him he just feels guilty and and and. <laughs> He's trying to, you know, win over this chick that he's like, I did it for you. And she's like, now that after he did that, she's like, ugh. Yeah, you know, well, that's kind of weird. You know, I killed somebody for you. I shot him in the back. And it, it, it's, a, it's a pretty simple 
Um, it's only eighty-one minutes long, um, but uh, it's you know it's good. It's on uh, it's on Hulu Plus. It's like a, one of those epic or I don't know the the brand like the the Criterion mm-hmm. um, branch that it looks like an E instead of a C. Um, when they Eclipse, that's what it's called. Eclipse. Uh, let's see. I watched Filth from 2013. How was that? Uh, James McAvoy is disgusting. It's good. Um, it's uh, I couldn't get over Imogen, Imogen, or Im, whatever her name is. Poots. I was like, what, come on, Imogen Coco. What? what a, Imogen Poots is uh, her name. I'm just... Um, but uh, anyway, that, that name was something else. But. This is uh this is like a gross a stupid like porno name for someone who's into scat. <laughs> yeah. With a big butthole. Um Ooh. it was uh, I didn't love it. McElvoy is is really good. Um and uh he 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 is certainly the highlight of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's 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 an Irvine Welsh story, so I mean you know, if you've seen Train Spotting, you got kind of the feel oh. of what this movie is. Um, this, I mean, but this is the cop side of things that he, but he, I mean, he's still a drug addict. He's like an bad lieutenant and, guy. Yeah, yeah, but it's, a, but it has, it has comedic stuff. Like there's a party and they all, um, they all photocopy their dicks and stuff, and they have like a contest, and like the chick picks like her, the one she's gonna bang in the copy room. Uh, do they, is there any like uh, fart jokes, fart noises, or do they talk about wrestling? Uh, no, I don't remember. Only dick jokes, and um, I liked. I did like the twist. There was a twist, and yeah, it's 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 definitely a solid movie. It's worth checking out. It's on, like I said, it's on. Yeah, Netflix that one's been hovering around on there for a while, or not yeah. not for a while, but I mean, in my queue, I've just been kind of yeah, thinking yeah. about it because I didn't know what check it, was it out. Now that I do, check it out. Yeah. Um, I watched Papillon, uh, Papillon, Steve McQueen and Dustin Hoffman, and Dustin Hoffman with his giant goo-goo goggles. Um, <laughs> God, you know, uh, that, that had to give him such a headache. Oh, it's, it was awful. When you're wearing somebody else's glasses. Ugh. And Vic Tayback again. He just is all over my life these days, I guess. Sweaty jerk. Um, this was really good. Uh, I've had this on. I've had this on DVD. I bought this like four movie Steve mm-hmm. McQueen set forever ago and this is one on there and I finally watched it I had no idea what this was like I didn't know I, I knew it was a prison movie and that was about it um but this was pretty cool um as I said on the Facebook group uh, I think Papillon is French for whip the shit out of mm-hmm. Steve McQueen for two for three hours we play we we this is how old I am I uh, my friends and I played Papillon in the backyard now that's kind of weird but I guess you know that's all it was was like we'd get put in the hole in, in, the, in solitary confinement. Yeah, guards just come by for, and act yeah. like dicks and shit. Make <laughs> us eat bugs and whatever. Or not make us eat bugs. We'd eat bugs. But I just remember, I don't know if it was on TV or what, and my friend coming and saying, did you see that movie? Yeah, Steve McQueen. They made him like eat bugs. And we just were, you know, I thought that was so they would have to either They would have to either cut the shit out of this movie to put it on TV or it would have to be like a five-hour thing with commercials. Yeah. <laughs> Or like come back next week for the second orders on Sunday night yeah. or whatever. <laughs> uh, but this is really good. Uh, I recommend if you are a Steve McQueen fan. This might be the best I've seen his acting ability. You know, I know I said just last week um, 
was it last week we talked about like he, the, his range was never great. Yeah. Um, but he he was really good in this. Um, and their teeth. The, whoever did the makeup in this movie did a good job. Their teeth always look disgusting and everything. And yeah. There was lots of lots of surprising amount of boobies in it. I wonder. Um, I wonder if uh, if this was made. In modern day, if McQueen and Dustin Hoffman would have been like a couple, you know, a prison couple, because <laughs> I mean, you Could know, be. they're in prison and everything you ever see about prison and no matter what, there's if there's no women, you know, stuff happens. Oh, yeah. We might talk about that today. Oh, and Dalton Trumbo did the screenplay for this. Bad commie. Yeah. Um, I watched. So I've decided, I guess I'm going to do the. The the thirty one days of horror, Ooh. of of horror. Yeah, but you um, got it all out of the way in like one day. I did. I've already <laughs> watched about ten of them. So, um, I did on October first. Watch uh, October first was Dread Day. Um, I think the, the 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 petition makers trying to get a sequel. <sighs> and we're encouraging everyone to stream or buy Dread on October first to kind of make a point that it's still relevant. Uh, so I streamed it. I own it, but I streamed it on Netflix Instant, and it's still awesome. I love Dread. Um, so I guess this counts as a horror movie. Well, here's another one. I watched this one before October 1st, The Terror of Mechagodzilla. Ooh. I might have liked Rage better than this one. This one was not very good. <laughs> um, the it's it's This is the last friendly Godzilla movie. Hmm. Oh, I um, hate friendly Godzilla. He was, uh, yeah, this is like 75, and then they stopped making Godzilla's movies for about a decade after yeah. this one. I liked Friendly um, Godzilla when I was a little kid, but now that I'm hard and cynical. <laughs> I'm all right with Friendly Godzilla, but this one was just kind of boring. Um, the aliens in this that were controlling um, Mechagodzilla just weren't very interesting. And uh, Titanosaurus is a, like a giant <laughs> fish monster, was not very good either. He's all skinny, and he's, his God. noise sounded stupid. Um, okay, so, and I guess this is a horror movie. It's kind of a crime horror movie, and you've saw, you've, you've recommended this one for, to me for a while, but uh, I watched I Saw the Devil. Yeah, oh, yeah, um, that's a harsh movie. Brutal, brutal. Kim Ji-Woon, and this stars uh, Byung Hun Lee, Lee, and um, what is the guy's name from Old Boy? She- Nick... Min Sik Choi. Yeah. Um, and he is fucking gross in this movie. Oh, he's great, though. I mean, great. But, oh, I mean, yeah. This is – it's piece of shit. This, this was not my favorite uh, Kim Ji-Woon movie or Ji-Woon Kim, um, but this is definitely worth your time if you, uh, if you dig some uh, gory Korean crime movies. Um, he is a bastard and worth <laughs> – Worth the the price of zero admission on Ugh. Netflix Instant or Amazon Prime. Um, I, I watched, I watched um, Dawn of the Dead 2004 version. Um, I'd only seen it once. I own the Blu-ray. I was not a big fan of it the first time, so I decided to rewatch it. Definitely liked it better this time. And the, what I could figure out is that I just compared it the entire time to the '78 version, um, which is one of my favorites. Um, I like this fine this time. I'd say probably like a seven and a half. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's worth checking out. It stands on its own. Really, the uh, the biggest the biggest similarity between the two movies is the fact that they're they're just in a shopping mall for the most part of it. 
Um, but everything, I mean, it's almost a unique story other than that. So, um, I watched Santo contra los zombies, uh, Santo movie, Santo versus the zombies. A, not the best Santo movie, um, kind of a recycled storyline where, you know, I mean, they did this a lot and if it works for you, it works, but evil scientist underground and he has some, he's controlling some sort of monsters who inevitably take the place or something of a wrestler he's supposed to wrestle against. There's a lot of filler in this one. It's only 85 minutes and I think they had three wrestling matches in it and a dance minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it was all right. It's, it's black and white, which helps, um, but not, not the best Santa movie. Uh, Netflix instant. I watched house 1986. Uh, William Cat and George Wint and Richard Mole. Um, William Cat is a he plays a, a a writer who is going to stay at his aunt his recently deceased aunt's house. He has she has committed suicide by hanging herself, and he's going to stay there. And his son has disappeared at some point in the pool there, and the house is he believes is haunted, and it's kind of a dark comedy. George Wint is he's Norm from Cheers. He's always. Uh, coming over and bugging him like at the weird at the weirdest time it's a it's a it, it has a weird little t- feel to it I, I i didn't know as i was watching it if i had ever seen it before the the poster was always super familiar i remember it from the video store but as i was watching it i was like i can't i couldn't remember if i had ever seen it or not so but it's entertaining you know it's 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 kind of funny uh some good uh good like zombie makeup and stuff in it so it's all right uh i watched cannibal apocalypse uh, this is John Saxon in a kind of a cannibal movie. This is directed by a- Antonio Margaretti, hmm. or he was known as Anthony M. Dawson in this one. <laughs> what, what year was this? 1980. Oh, okay. So Saxon, this is, a little, he's not really super old, but. Right. Yeah. He still had, he still had hair on top and he still had a nice physique. Um, he uh he he's part of a vietnam uh uh vet like uh, there's certain ones that came back and they had caught some virus that makes them crave human flesh so this one does not take place in the jungle this one takes place in i don't know if it's supposed to be new york or what um it's all right uh not enough like cannibal stuff in it i know that sounds weird but i think it was almost like it seemed like they were trying to make a, a like an actual serious movie about these guys being sick, and but then like decided at the end to add some extra things to make it kind of sleazy. So it wasn't quite sleazy enough, and it wasn't quite serious enough. So it was okay. Um, the other cannibal movies I've seen are better. Resolution twenty twelve. Um, this is a little very little uh, indie film. Uh, I, I read it compared in a way to Cabin in the Woods, but it's not it's not funny like that. It but it has that kind of feel of being a voyeur in in almost like watching something being made. It's a it's a really unique approach to doing a horror movie. Very low budget, you could tell. It almost entirely takes place in this really crappy, like no wall house. Um it's a guy that has decided to go and like clean his friend up who's a crack addict that's living in this abandoned house yes. and he cha- he chains him to the wall and like has him you know you know he feeds him gives him water and stuff but he's just kind of camping out with him but they keep he keeps finding little like cuz he had gotten a video from his friend of 
him like shooting guns and being high. He's like, man, I never sent you a video. I sold my computer a long time ago. So they keep getting like pictures and stuff that, of themselves. And so the, it's kind of like a almost has a mystery feel to it. It's 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 interesting. I don't know about the end, but um, you know, it's an hour and a half. Definitely worth watching. It's, it's a cool little twist on horror movies. Uh, let's see. Watch the Prophecy, nineteen ninety five. Christopher Walken, eh, a little corny. Yeah. Uh, I love Christopher Walken in it. Um, kind of, Viggo Mortensen was really like, gross. There's parts in it that are kind of tongue in cheek, like kind of you don't know if they're being. Like if it's a comedy yeah. or like when Walken's dealing <laughs> with the one chick that hangs out with him and yeah. yeah and Virginia Madsen has she's the most scantily clad elementary school teacher of all time <laughs> she she always has her shirt tied up and stuff and Eric Stoltz is Eric Stoltz uh, Vigo Vigo was really good in it so yeah, I, I enjoyed it I'd really never seen this one bad toupee in that the main Who guy um, oh what's his name the main dude oh oh pop. yeah Elias um, Coteus. Yeah, because yeah, he's. Yeah. He, yeah. I mean, it's a fucking bad wig. That, I couldn't tell if it was plugs or what, but his hair didn't. Yeah, nah, it's it's, it's a toupee just because. I mean, everything that he's in. I mean, he's he's bald headed, and it just looked like doll hair, which kind of <laughs> like can like Ken or something Ken doll. Um, uh, this might have been the highlight of my week. I watched Only Lovers Left Alive, a Jim Jarmusch vampire movie. Um, the, the synopsis, a depressed musician reunites with his lover through their romance, which has already endured several centuries is disrupted by the arrival of uncontrollable younger sister. Well, that's a weirdly worded synopsis, but you kind of get the gist. I, I thought this was impressive. I love the, like the, the take on vampires, um, and how they, how somebody that's lived for hundreds of years might see the earth or the world in a slightly different death. way. What's that? Be bored to death. Yeah, exactly. That's what it feels like. And I love like, there's a lot of like circular type themes in it, like showing records go around and stuff. And like, um, Tom, Tom Hiddleston, Loki oh. is the, is, is the main guy. And, uh, Tilda Swinton is his wife. Um, Bowie. this is, this is good. What? Bowie. Bowie is his wife. This is really good. Um, it's a slow burn. Um, not a lot of like vampire action, but I love the take on it. It's it's a cool it's a cool movie, and it has a really cool soundtrack. Very good. Um, I watched Shadow of the Vampire. I finished the week with vampires. Hmm. Uh, Shadow of the Vampire. I never seen this one. Um, this is uh, John Malkovich and Willem Dafoe, and it's a kind of a meta retelling of the making of Nosferatu and it kind of, it's, it, it, it mirrors the actual plot of Nosferatu. It's, it's cool. I had never seen this and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Didn't um, did Nicholas Cage have something to do with this? Did he direct it? He was a producer on oh, it. Okay. I think I saw his name on it. Yeah. Um, some guy, a guy, whoever directed it, E. Elias Mer, Merhig, Merhig. I don't, I don't, I've never heard of him. So, uh, that one's on instant. Check it out. And I watched Nosferatu, um, just to follow up. I hadn't seen it in a few years. Still haven't seen the Herzog version. This was the night. This was the silent 1922 version mm -hmm. and, um, very good. Uh, there's a very good, uh, rebuilt print of it on Netflix instant. Uh, I think the one, the one on prime appears to be shorter 
So check the one out on Netflix. I think it's uncut. They rebuilt it in like 2005 or so from several different prints um, and uh, redid all the title cards. And the music is the original music performed by a um, some Philharmonic, German uh, Philharmonic. So uh, very cool if you haven't seen that one. And then this morning, before I watched the movies for the show, <laughs> finally, uh, I watched White Zombie. Um, I kind of halfway paid attention to this one this because I was working on uh, computer shit. But Bela Lugosi is a um, – I guess he's a witch doctor. Um, and he kind of hypnotizes people and he has a zombie horde at, down in the West Indies. And he is uh, wooing this woman away from her husband her, from her fiancé. They're, they're, they're down there to get married. And uh, really, some really cool visuals in it. Bella Lugosi looked great, but he still kind of did his Dracula thing. And the highlight for me, I mentioned it on the group, was probably when they show all the zombies kind of turning the cr- big giant crank on this thing that crushes sugarcane, and the noise that it made was just this grinding, like wailing squeak noise. It was sounded bad, so but I liked it a lot. Um, for you know. It's a, it's a good uh, – it's only like an hour and a half – not even an hour and a half, like 70 minutes. So. And that's it. But I have a full, full week. Um, yeah, you're so full. I'm full of it. So we'll see if uh, I can keep up the horror movies. Um, I'm having fun. I, I bookmarked a lot, and I uh, I uh, haven't watched any in a while. So, But uh, that's it. So why don't we take a break, and we can come back and talk about – we'll just go in chronological order. We'll do uh, come back with a review of Short Eyes right after this. Hello, this is Kenny B. This is Tom KW. And we are two of the hosts from the Podcast on Fire Network. You want Asian cinema in a podcast? Well, we got the solution for you. Because at the Podcast on Fire Network, there's seven plus shows for you to choose from. You want Hong Kong action cinema and audio commentaries? We got that. You want dirty Hong Kong cinema? We got that. You want the eternal question, what's Korean cinema answer? We'll answer that. The flagship show Podcast on Fire covers classic Hong Kong cinema. Everything from Bruce Lee to Jackie Chan, John Woo and Jet Li. Featuring in-depth discussions with an aura of fun. This is your primary stop in the podcast world for classic Hong Kong cinema. So join me, Kenny B and Tom KW and a cast of thousands at podcastonfire.com. Also available on iTunes, on Stitcher Radio and Come chat with us on the Podcast on Fire Network Facebook group and on Twitter at Podcast on Fire. Podcast on Fire Network. It's Asian cinema in a podcast. sure where the the prison part of that one is but thank you blake for the song <laughs> um <clears throat> short eyes 1977 Tom, would you like to synopsize um yes i would 
child molester sent to prison finds that criminals exact harsher justice than society. Yes, directed by Robert M. Young. Um, this, now I've never heard of Robert M. Young. This is a play, or was a play, um, written by a gentleman named Miguel Piñero. Now, Miguel Piñero, uh, he did some other stuff and stuff. Um, he wrote the Breathless remake with Richard Gere. Um, but this was something he wrote while actually in prison, which is kind of interesting. Um, kind of inspired by his experiences in the legendary Sing Sing prison from when he was there in the early 70s for robbery or something to yeah, that effect. Pokey. But um, this, uh, so the, the synopsis, you know, talks about. Uh, you know, a child molester and uh, dealing with justice in prison. I thought it was going to be exploitative like that, but it ends up being almost like a slice of life of prison life yeah. with a lot of guys with this guy coming through. Um, now, I really dig the, the the intro to this movie, and it sets up the stage nicely with just showing you this prison environment. And the name of the prison is um, the tomb, I think. Yeah, the tombs. Yeah, the tombs. And, yeah, it it does not look like a fun place to be. Um, <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> you know, paint falling off the walls. And 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 the way they're like, the, the guys are almost stacked up like animals because there's some uh, parts in it where – Guys will be talking through their cells, and, like, there's no privacy. It shows two guys just, like, laying, and I guess there was only bars separating. They're almost back-to-back, -back, but in different cells. They talk to each other, like, on different levels. A guy just, like, is looking down, and I guess he can see the person he's talking to. It's just wide open, just bars everywhere. Yeah, you have to poop out in the open. Yeah, the, 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 the toilets are just right. I mean, they have a common area. Uh, where a lot of the movie takes place, this kind of – I thought it was the cafeteria at first, but they just kind of hang out there. They don't eat there, and they all have their own – All every race has their own table. The blacks have a table, and the Hispanics have a table, and the whites have a table. Um, not a huge uh, population that we see because um, they – you know, we don't see them going out in the yard and all that stuff. We only see this one cell block, um, maybe 20 guys total. Yeah, I'd want to go out in the yard. Yeah, go lift some weights, and play some, play some ball. Gotta go out, um, give me some sunshine, ain't no sunshine. Now you know what. Um, go ahead. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Um, but you know the random shots at the beginning with the dudes in their cells reading, some of them praying. There's the roll call going on in the background. There's a Curtis Mayfield song playing. And and Curtis Mayfield, one, he acts in this movie. His name's Pappy, I think, right? And um, I got to look that up. Yeah, he really remember his, name? his acting chops. Yeah, it was Pappy. Pappy. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, whatever. He, he, it's, not a, it's not a huge part. But um, he did the whole soundtrack. It has a cool soundtrack. Um, but... Uh, it's just it's a nice setting of the table um, initially, and then we get we start to get into and see. I thought initial I thought when I first read the synopsis that it was going to be you know 
here comes the fresh meat, you know, child molester guy, and he's just going to get it fucked over for the entire movie. And it really isn't that. I mean, he doesn't even come in until about 20 minutes, and but a lot of it is interactions with the other prisoners, some of the other trials and shit that they're going through. And... Um, and and one particular uh, gentleman by the name of Juan, who does actually get to know the 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 guy accused of being with the short eyes, or is that the is that the right way to use that term? Um, you're with the short eyes, but um, there's a guy right at the beginning. Now I, I didn't catch a lot of people's names in this, but this one guy that's pretty horrifying. Um, he just walks around like just demanding shit from everybody. And this line that he says at the beginning to this one guy, I, I, I don't think, I don't know if he said it to the guy named cupcakes or not, but, um, Man, that cupcakes, he's basically, he sure is hot. Everybody yeah, wants cup, cupcakes. <laughs> yeah. Well, use a fine motherfucker cupcakes. Oh, cupcakes. Um, poor cupcakes. Uh, but the, I don't know what the commissary is. I guess when you do certain work, you get like points and you can go get shit out of the, out of the like store in the place, maybe buy cigarettes or whatever. And this guy is just every week taking payments from people, two packs of cigarettes or whatever. Everybody keeps paying him money and he carries, he just carries around this like knife or this shiv or whatever he has. And, but he, I guess it was the cupcakes at the beginning when he says like, he's just, he almost pokes his foot through the goddamn bars and he's like, and he asked for his two packs. He doesn't have it. And he's like, if you don't get commissary this week, there's gonna be, there's either gonna be dead on my knife or shit on my dick. Yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, but he's he's Maybe pretty. That's what Will and Sammy. Said. <laughs> well, um, but the and it, you know what it reminded me of, and I, I, I kind of wonder if it had some inspiration from. But uh, did you ever see? Did you ever watch the show Oz? Yeah. Yeah, so Oz had a thing. yeah Oz had a similar kind of dynamic to this, and I know that's shoe. kind of remember they'd be like going to the shoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like they had uh, in that one, it was Tobias. I think was the the nerdy guy's name that comes in. Yeah. And, um, the big white guy that gave him a hard fucking time, and then you have the the Muslim like spiritual leader Adabiz and. Oh god, Adebisi is fucking horrifying. And then that uh, um, the guy from uh, Law and Order SVU, Chris Maloney was uh, Tobias or, or whatever his name's uh, that was, ended up being his lover. Yeah, or like a couple. Yeah. That was a that was an oh, interesting show, but th- this had that kind of feeling. And I, I granted, some a lot of prison movies do, but I, I felt like there was a lot of parallels with at least the creation of the, the of, of Oz. Not that this was a particular like ex- i know with oz it was that experimental uh cell block yeah. and set up a quite a slightly different way this is not that this is just any it, this could have been any prison block really i would say in this prison but um but the religious guy um was well he was an interesting character too his name do you remember i don't remember his name el rahim maybe um he i don't know if he was muslim or christian um but I mean, I, I assume Muslim because he got out. He was talking about a guy eating pig, uh, insulting him for eating pork. Um, so he called him a swine merchant. The swine uh, merchant, <laughs> man, still big on swine. 
Your presence here affects the mind of my people like a fever. You, Yaku, are the bearer of 9,999 diseases, evil, corrupt, pork chop eaten brains. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> the, um, but this could be. Now, I've seen some pretty raw prison life stuff in film and with Oz. This could be the oldest movie I've seen that has such a, like, gritty, like, representation of prison life, you know. I mean, with Shawshank, there was the shit that happened, but it had that romantic feel to it, set in the 40s, and it took place over such a long period of time. Something about this was, even though there were elements that were a little, a little melodramatic, I'd say, it was still a very just it felt realistic a lot of the time and it 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 didn't glamorize anything at all about this life you know all um, the sex you want yeah that's for real eh, maybe. um <laughs> but uh i love some of the stuff they show the you know the 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 guys the the, the one prison guard that works there is just a real piece of shit he's he's of no help at all except for just appearances i'd say um, but he, he lets these guys fight and it was kind of interesting, like watching them wrap up their knuckles and the dude puts toilet paper in his mouth for a mouthpiece and the car, the guard is just like kind of going along with it. And all he does, if anybody's ever hurt, you know, he'll kind of let it, uh, sorry, let it slide and then call for help afterwards. So, but no, um, let, letting the guys let off steam. Yeah. Instead, yeah, well, but the, then he just outs Bruce. What's his name? Bruce, uh, Bruce Davison. Bruce Davison. And um, he just outs him right in front of everybody, which is not the most responsible thing to do if your job is to <laughs> yeah, corral people and keep short eyes. Yeah. yeah. Nobody um, likes a fucking pedophile. It's true. The... Um, the, the, the some cool camera angles and stuff during that fight I thought was pretty cool. Like they they had they you could tell they filmed this in inside a prison. I don't think this was a set. It was actually it felt very tombs. Oh, was it? Okay. It felt very claustrophobic. Tons of shots through bars or overhead shots through bars, over guy's shoulders, stuff like that. Um but I like that I like that razor toothbrush and a lot of it is really that. Like the the main plot is the is Bruce Davison coming in, but really that that takes up it's maybe twenty minutes of this movie, and everything else is the guys dealing with each other other than him. Um, I'll tell you when he walked in, when Bruce Davison walked in at first, I knew who he was, he was going to be, but man, I, I, I felt fucking nervous because yeah. they 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 set that up well. He he comes in and he's wearing a fucking like linen jacket and all this stuff. And I'll tell you one thing that was wrong. I don't know if they really did this. One thing that was wrong with this fucking place is that they didn't require uniforms in this prison yeah. or the prison uniform or whatever. Everybody just wore whatever the fuck they wanted, apparently. And when you come in wearing your linen, your tweed jacket or whatever the hell he was wearing, you're just already a target. And he was just a sweaty, nervous mess already. But um, <clears throat> I didn't I didn't recognize him, uh, Bruce Davison, with this. He's one of those faces for me, and I've said this a million times, that I know I've seen him in a ton of shit, and I just couldn't put my finger on what it was. The only thing I could remember off the top of my head was the that like sleazy senator he was in the X-Men movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's been around. He's, he's a work. Yeah. He works a lot. Yeah, yeah. Look at his IMDb, man. He's been in fucking tons of stuff. But, um, yeah, that guard, the guard comes in and 
I thought it was just going to be like a warning to stay out of trouble, but like he just fucking threatens him in front of everybody, and immediately, like he'd almost made a friend, and immediately everybody turns on um, Clark. That's Davison's name, and this is one of those one of those things. It's like it's a it's a horrible act, but it's like I don't know how fair that is to you know like to do that to somebody. Yeah. Because there's a there's a there's a hierarchy in prison, and if you are, you know, ser- I think I'd say probably serial killers and child molesters are probably there at the bottom, and they're going to get fucked with more than anybody else because they're not. They're probably because they're in the, in a way they're weak. You know, they're 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 they have they have that weakness, the sickness, and this compulsion of his, and but everybody just is disgusted by it even though they're probably in there for just really disgusting things themselves as well, you know? And, um, they, they introduced this character, Juan, um, that Davison inadvertently latches onto and tells him this whole story. And it's gotta be the highlight of the movie, the scene with the two of them. Um, well, it's really just Davison talking. Uh, but, but, the guy that plays Juan is uh, Jose Perez. And I didn't recognize him at all, but um, I'll tell you. Oh, somebody I did recognize was. Uh, did you see Luis Guzman? Luis Guzman with a big afro. Yes. Yeah, he was very young. He didn't even really have like a big belly at that time. No, he was skinny. Um, but Juan has to go and listen to this whole like just chilling, gross story about this guy's compulsion. And he does a pretty great job of like, I don't know. Um, he's he's act he's disgusted, but he's got this human side to him, and he's concerned at the same time. And he doesn't he doesn't want to hear this what 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 Clark is telling him, but at the same time he wants to, he it's like you could tell he kind of wants to help people too. And I th- he he was an interesting character to me. Um, stood up for himself, but, um, uh, but I, I liked that. I liked that relationship of the two of them, even though you don't see a ton of it. Um, that's a, it's, that's a great scene, but you know, some of the other stuff with the, 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 the roach race was fun. Yeah, it was fun. The, the, the singing, uh, I liked the, I liked the musical interlude. Um, it was just, the only thing I didn't like about that is that they did both of them like kind of back to back. So all of a sudden yeah. you get a Freddie Fender fucking two and a half minute song and then Curtis Mayfield. And it was just, you know, I don't know. <laughs> one of them would have been a good enough. But uh, I like that even the honkies have to get down for that. Like that one really, that one white dude that, that was uh, no, doing that horrible dance. Get down. We can get down. <laughs> it was hilarious. It made me think, it wasn't the same dance, but it made me think of Emilio Estevez and Breakfast Club. <laughs> oh, God. Because he's up there on that balcony with that horrible. But yeah, that scene, the the, the the scene with the two of them, I'd say definitely highlight. That's where the 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 tag for the poster comes. The uh, Davison's like in tears, like Jesus help me, and uh, Juan says, "Cause man won't." Um, but that's it's just it's it's a great moment. Um, the uh, what was the? There was a. There was one thing I, I didn't know what it was. They showed a woman's face on a 
on a photo, and then the pa- the camera pans down, and there's like a big shaded area underneath the toilet button. It looked. Uh, I don't. I. I was like. I thought at yeah. first it was going to be. I thought there was like somebody was drawing like a crotch or something. But I then thought, it was I a button. That's what I was, was like. No, it was a tit. Well, no, it was a tit. The button was. Oh, a, was that what it was? Thing. Okay, was I thought I didn't know if it was supposed one. to be like a pregnant belly or what. Yeah, it was a tit. But um, the you know guys in prison they like that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, I don't know if it's bad to say, but I mean, for me anyway, I started, I started, I, I kind of, I felt sorry for the pedophile. I did. Because it's like, well, I mean, especially with the revelations that you get by the end, yeah. and and it was an interesting twist in what they take with the you know the information we are provided with, the, and then the information that everybody there has. Um, I mean, it's you know, yeah, but you have to it's, keep it's, in mind the one thing you have to keep in mind about that is, okay, if they would have if they would have done the whole thing, uh, and the guard tells everybody this guy's you know. Uh, in here for raping a, a child and yeah. then what happens to him and then the very end they say what happened in court or whatever yeah that would have been fine but he sits there and admits to Juan everything so even though right. what pans out pans out it's he's not you know I'm, I'm talking around everything but you know it's, I know I know you know what I'm saying and he's He's not, so you know but at the same time, shit. he is. But at the same time, you he's it's it's a mental illness, right? Oh yeah, you know. And do like, do we have do we have do we have the right to fuck somebody up because they're sick? You know, it's like shooting somebody for money is one thing, but this is something that he he can't control it. Yeah, and, I saw a documentary about. I guess they have a prison. It's somewhere out west. I don't know if it's Arizona or where it is. And uh, it's it was a documentary. I, I think it was the Louis Theroux documentary. And it's all it is is um, uh, sexual offenders and uh, mm-hmm. like uh, pedophiles and stuff like that. Yeah. And you know that's what they were talking about. How it's uh, if you're predisposed to like women or you're predisposed to like men. Well, they're predisposed to like children for whatever reason. If it's something traumatic yeah. that happened, or if that's just the way it is, but they th- their thing was okay. What if we put them just kind of like on an island, all just all of them on an island? So then they can't hurt any more kids. There were some of them that were in there, and they I think were like had the the ability to get out, but they mm-hmm. didn't because they didn't even like how they were. They knew they couldn't control themselves or stop themselves or whatever. And it's well, like the, um, that, oh, that's that cool. one German movie that we did. Uh, remember the, you, you know, the one I'm talking about uh, with the guy rape. that couldn't control him. Yeah. Yeah. What's that? The one about the rape, the, he, was yeah. The yeah. Same, same kind of thing. It's like, you know, it, it, he, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a sickness with him, And, but at, at the same time, I'll say the, the balance was kept well in the movie in keeping, you know, I would go one direction and kind of feel sympathetic for this character, you know, 
there for a disgusting thing, but you know, like I said, these other guys are already doing disgusting things to each other in prison, cutting each other, stabbing each other, and shit like that, just totally bullying. But probably in there for you know horrendous things themselves. But then at the same time, you know, he was like, you know, I couldn't do this because of this, and he's he was completely selfish about it, like knowing yeah. that he had a problem but not acting on it. Which then you're like, well, f- you know, well, fuck that, you know, you know, it's a problem, then fucking do something about it. And don't be a coward. But then it, it, it was a nice balance, and it was it, it made you think. I like that. Um, that's really about all I have to say. Do you do you want to fill in anything here? Well, I had I think I heard about this, but I'd never seen it. And uh, is that guy the guy that was? Oh, I'm looking at somebody else now. Nah, the picture looks like uh, the guy from uh, Oh Oz, but it's not. Um, when I started watching this, I was kind of like you, you know, the, 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 uh, prison genre movie, it's become kind of, um, not cliche, but you know, the kind of dime a dozen, you know, what's going to happen. There's going to yeah. be an innocent guy that every, or not an innocent guy, but there's going to be a guy that's a weaker guy, a weaker guy. And they're going to prey on him. They're going to have the, the, uh, races split up and, you know, you can pretty much do them by the numbers. Somebody's going to get fucked or threatened to fuck and lots of violence and everything. So I expected that. Um, but because this was made in 77, you didn't know how far they were going to go. Although the seven, you know, movies in the seventies could be pretty fucking brutal. Yeah. Um, you could, uh, while I was watching this, I really could feel that it was a play. And that's like you said, they didn't go out to the yard or anything. Well, you know, when they're on the stage, they pretty much have to keep everything, you know, right there in like a one room thing with everybody interacting and everything. So, and especially like, and like I said, the, um, right. And it was pretty close to the beginning when, uh, Freddie Fender and Curtis Mayfield both did their songs. Um, I don't know. I would have rather, like I said, I, I guess they had the uh, at one at this time. Freddie Fender was like really big, kind of a crossover singer, pop and country singer, and and you know you had a, Hispan- a Hispanic section in the in the prison, so you know you kind of had him representing with his big fucking I don't know. He looked kind of like a big fro, kind of a looking hair <laughs> and I mean they both both the songs were good and everything, but they did them like I said, kind of back to back. And I would have rather had like Curtis Mayfield maybe do his thing and then maybe later on have Freddie Fender just laying in his cell or something when everybody's getting ready to go to sleep and maybe start singing a little bit. But it just was seemed like it was just too much all there, like this big musical number. If they had all started dancing, it would have been funny. Like I mean like like a like choreographed. <laughs> Doing right, like right. high kicks and everything. That would have been funny. Um <laughs> but I did think, and this is another thing where it really felt like a, a play, the, the the monologue that Bruce Davison did where mm-hmm. it just felt like I couldn't believe that, uh, you know, Juan kind of did a deal where he went out of his way to to talk to the guy. But then, I mean, all he said just was one like one little thing and Bruce Davidson starts telling him all of this shit just tells him everything. And I could see that working on, on a stage, but yeah. in a movie, it felt kind of like a melodramatic kind of a 
Yeah, yeah. It, like, and, uh, I don't know. It did. It did. And some some of the stuff in it did feel that way. And you could tell that it's adapted from uh, a stage performance in the, the limited space and that's in that sort of monologue type stuff but I, like i said like i for me anyway that scene was still a really good one now the guy that played cupcakes apparently i read this on on imbada he got arrested for murder uh like eight months after this was released and he got killed oh. in prison. <laughs> he got murdered Jesus. in prison uh so anyway cupcakes you get you cupcakes another thing that, that's that's one thing that um that we were talking about with um clark Okay, well, now, the the one thing about the child molester thing is, you know, children are so innocent. They're so yeah. – they're such easy prey. They are um, – it, it's just a horrible, awful thing, and, th- and that kind of stuff fucks, fucks them up for life a lot yeah. of – you know, probably all, every time. Uh, but then you also turn around and you see these guys preying on each other in a – in a almost – the same way a rapey kind of a thing where they will try and if if you don't stand up for them like like cupcakes i mean he's this guy probably he's he's a good looking young guy and they're all like man i want to fuck you cupcakes but then it's weird because it's like some (laughs) of them are like um they don't want to rape him they want they want like cupcakes as their girlfriend but then you know and and uh, the one book I have where they say, you know, in prison, in, in a society where there are no women, men will make their own women and all this and that. Um, that's kind of odd. Uh, but they just – I will say this. This makes me not want to go to prison. <laughs> it's a deterrent. Yeah. Uh, um, th- these guys are they're, – they're poor. They're – you know, they're they probably – a lot of them maybe have had st- – somebody like Clark that has uh, abused them or taken advantage of them when they were a kid or, or whatever. Um, But they're all, it's like a shark tank or, uh, you know, a a cage full of, uh, of uh, pit bulls or something like that, where they can be friendly to each other and they can be, you know, actually even nice and have like a little community and they play cards and do all this and that, but it just takes one little thing, like one little thing of disrespect. And a lot of them are either sociopaths. Some of them probably have mental illness and whatever. And, and, it, and it's just that macho thing where, you know, you have to step up and, um, yeah. but I didn't, I thought it was good, but it just really did have that, uh, an adapted stage, play kind of a thing and some of the stuff that they did that would have worked on the stage felt forced here um okay but uh, it just uh, i did uh, i'm like you i kind of uh, my empathy thing kind of went uh it, it goes back make, and forth with yeah, it it makes it feel weird because he is is a, a fucking scummy person but watching any creature that's just, you know, um, vulnerable and weak in some people, uh, you'd be like, you know, you, you, you feel sorry for him. You, you're kind of like, Oh God, this would be so awful. Cause, cause you put yourself in their shoes and you're yeah, sitting there and saying, he, and God. he wasn't, and he was remorseful too. Yeah. 
he, you know, he wasn't sitting there wringing his hands like, <laughs> do it again, you know. Yeah, that would have definitely got him fucking killed. But um, <laughs> it, it was all right. I, I'm, I'm glad I watched it. I, I, like I said, I, I think for some reason I've, I, I might have just heard about the play or something. But uh, oh. the poster and everything, you know, is is uh, it's one of those things where you're like, oh God, what's this going to be? You know, Jesus help! Very me evocative. That 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 fucking razor toothbrush is pretty, and it, and it happens. It get, you get two of those. Yeah. How, how about we have a razor toothbrush in the, in the next movie too, which is pretty cool. Well, uh, but I, and I will say this: that um, <clears throat> if this was made today, it would go. I think it would go more. Um, Along the lines of the the cliche uh, prison movie, where you know some people they would show some some really um, graphic stuff to, yeah. for shock value, like you know Andy Dufresne and, getting fucked by the sisters and shit like. And that. it would be it it would be it would be plot uh, the, the 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 almost the whole thing would be the Clark plot yeah. too. Well, and the thing about that, like you said, he he shows up at the and and kind of is kind of standing off to the side and everything. And then he interacts, but then he goes away and then they bring mm-hmm. him back because he goes to, to be evaluated or for his court thing or whatever. And then, and then he comes back. So he's gone for quite a while, but then he has yeah. his big moment there at the end. But I mean, it was, there was some good acting in this and I figure there's some of these guys aren't, you know, like trained, professionally trained. Thing, yeah. The, you know, it gives it that really gritty feel. It was, and that, that's that was what I probably liked best about it. And um, we can we can actually rate it here if you if you're ready. The um, I would give this like a six point seven five. It didn't really okay. knock me out. Um, I I was my my favorite kinds of prison movies are. Um, I, I, I got you know escape prison movies and a lot of the stuff you know what was it the what was the one with Eastwood that came out around the same time and, oh and, escape you know, from Alcatraz yeah yeah that kind of stuff um, Shawshank which is fantastic but you know the ones like this oh didn't we do we did that other one the with the um, Brian Cox too didn't we do that on the show yeah yeah yeah. Um, and but this, I'd say it's it's it feels unique in the other side of the prison genre, and that it's not about getting out; it's about entirely relationships inside. And it was just a as, given its age; it was just it felt unique for me, and I, I appreciated that about it. And for me, I mean, it's pretty solid. I give it a seven point five. Um, I liked it quite a bit, and there's some there's some, some there's some tough stuff in it. Um, so I, I you know I dug it quite a bit. Cool. Let's take a break, and we'll come back and do the Steve Buscemi-directed Animal Factory. We'll be right back. Do you find yourself looking for a different type of genre podcast? Do you find yourself on the weekends wondering when you will find that one film that might change your life? Well, then maybe you should check out The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with your host Big Willie and the Samurai. Bringing class to the trash since 1977 and rocking the house. 
You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. Bringing class to the trash. Factory. Matsuzaka was very excited to get a choice in of a song today, by the way. Um, Animal Factory, 2000. A young man goes to prison and a tough, older convict takes him under his wing as a mentor. Uh, directed by Steve <laughs> Buscemi. Um, starring Edward Furlong of Terminator 2 fame. Uh, Willem Dafoe. A... Better-haired Danny Trejo. Uh, Seymour Cassell appears in there. Tom Arnold appears in there being gross. <laughs> uh, lots, of, lots of faces show up in here. And then uh, then we get uh, Jan the actress, Mickey Rourke. Zom, <laughs> what did you think of Animal Factory? Had you seen this before? Yes, I've seen it uh, quite a few times. Um, okay. When it came out originally on... I think I might. I don't know if I have it on VHS or DVD. I can't remember. But um, I saw it, and I I just uh, – it was one of those movies that uh, even though I know it didn't get released in the theater around here. Um, I've, don't, prison, I've never even heard of it, so yeah. I don't know that it ever came out around here either. Prison movie. Um, I like Defoe. I like uh, Mickey Rourke. And um, – Edward Bunker, the guy that uh, that wrote it, was the guy that played. He was one of the Reservoir Dog guys at the beginning at the uh, table. You know, uh, uh, proper don't preach. Uh, yeah. When she started that proper don't preach phase, I tuned out. Uh, he was in prison, actually, in real life. Uh, I think in San Quentin, and uh, he was in there with Danny Trejo. Who Yay. liked to rob places with a hand grenade back in the day and do a lot of heroin? If you... Why is it now? Danny Trejo has long hair, but why is it he always looks so weird to me with a full head of hair? Like when it's not like really slicked back, he looks—I don't know—when his hair's kind of big on top, he looks yeah. weird. He, um, if you get a chance, uh, watch his bio documentary <laughs> called Champion. It's really good because it talks. He he actually goes back to the prison he was in and, and talks about it and uh, talks about when he was younger and his, um, mm-hmm. his, I think it was his uncle uh, that he really looked up to almost like a, you know, a brother or a father or whatever was uh, he was his hero and he was a heroin addict. And then he kind of fell into it uh, because his, his uh, uncle was doing it or cousin. And um, 
And like I said, it was funny because he was, he said, uh, you know, you get robbed these places. And, you know, you think somebody go and rob a place, they'd pull a gun out and he had a hand grenade and he would go into places and say, you know, give me all the money or I'll blow this place up or whatever. Which is kind of funny. Um, and I guess <laughs> Treo and uh, Edward Bunker actually knew each other in prison and, and Bunker was a, uh, they said something like he, he was like a planner. He would plan robberies for people and sell them the plan. He would he would like if he knew where a bank was or whatever. He'd say, "Okay, you do this, 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 and this. It's going to take this much time for the cops to get here." And he'll he would write out the whole plan and he would sell the plan to people. So that's uh, uh, how he he kind of knew Andrew 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 Trejo. <laughs> Andrew Trejo. <laughs> but now, Daniel Trejo. Also. Uh, Edward Furlong, this is before – I guess it was probably during when he was starting to spiral out of control. Yeah. Of <laughs> he didn't look bad him. yet. Yeah, but the thing about him is like I saw him in a couple of uh, um, Uwe Boll movies here recently, and he still is – you know, he's a good actor. I, I Is he a drunk or what? Is he uh, – I don't know what his thing is, honestly. He you know, went from being uh, – like Shia LaDouche is a comparable guy where they both started out young and they got a lot of work, uh, but Shia LaDouche must give way better blowjobs. And I think Edward Furlong must like to drink <laughs> a lot. And I don't, maybe do well, Furlong gained a lot of weight too, yeah. which doesn't help. He, uh, yeah, he doesn't look, uh, well, he's losing his boyish looks, which I mean, my God, how old's the guy now? But I don't know, but fuck, he's supposed to be 21 in this, and he's got a damn baby voice, big yeah. time. He's um he's very good in this. This uh, um like I said, I've watched this several times. I, I this one, I just like the uh, there's there's the violence and stuff, and some of the scummy stuff in prison. But you all, but it's more. Uh, I like that there's more to it. It's like uh, Defoe plays uh, Earl uh, – I kept thinking they were saying Earl Copeland, but I guess it's Earl Copen. Uh He's kind of a, the guy he, – he works for the uh, – I guess the commandant of the prison. He's like yeah. his secretary and everything. So he kind of has his fingers in all the pies. He's not a sympathetic character. He sort of is. Because there's more to him than just uh, he's a thinking kind of a guy. He's not just a yeah. A he's a he's a cool dude, man. He's the first and, and he's the leader of. Uh, I gotta wonder now. This movie and Shadow of the Vampire were released the same year. I wonder if he went with the shaved head in this <laughs> because he had his head. Sh- I, I don't know. I assume he had his head shaved for shadow of the vampire. I don't know if they just put a bald cap on him or what, but they, they were released the same year. Yeah. So I'm wondering if he just went bald in this one. Well, for, it, it, for that I mean, it works. I mean, because, uh, yeah. well, first of all, they, you know, they, they just like a lot of other prison movies, they talk about, um, the, you know, the different race factions and you stick with your own. And they mentioned the brotherhood several times. So I'm thinking they're think they're talking about Aryan brotherhood. Um, because of course Defoe and his crew are the, you know the 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 white guys, the the, the yeah. Peckerwoods, as they call them. Well, except Trejo hangs out with them. I don't know if yeah. he's hanging out with the Aryans. Well, some of them. The, there's a there's nothing that's a hundred percent like the the Mexicans will. 
Like the guy to, in um, in uh, Short Eyes, I think, was saying, you know, he was giving Clark the lowdown, and he was saying, okay, you know, all the whites keep your table separate, right, right, yeah. Then, but but then there's a crossover because when, like, you wouldn't even in some of the other prison movies, you 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 don't hang out, you don't socialize with some of these guys. But when it comes to business, like selling them drugs or stuff like that yeah there's 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 a crossover there a little bit and and uh the hispanics are more like the the blacks hate the whites the whites hate the blacks the hispanics are kind of in the middle uh, so they can go either way um the hispanics always seem to hate the blacks more in these movies eh, and they're kind of neutral with the whites um so Treo, like you said, um, and and not only that, but I mean he's he's in the movie and he was actually there, so they're gonna they're gonna have him do a little bit more anyway, just because you know yeah. who it is. Um, now, uh, what's it? Ron is Edward Furlong, Ron Decker, and I guess it, this is it, this is a uh, kind of a something that speaks to even today with uh, marijuana getting closer and closer to being legalized, legalized in some states uh for uh medical purposes and getting legalized for and you know more and more that right. he gets busted for like i think i thought they said like for pot but it was selling like, yeah it was, it was definitely a marijuana yeah, bust and like selling and at uh, least five years in prison for that jesus christ yeah and he um that's the kind of the thing that that really sucks with him is is uh <clears throat> it's just stupid first of all they're they're thrusting him into uh prison with these hardened prisoners that are guys that are you know career criminals fucked up people you know and you're throwing this young guy in there and how's he going to come out you know pretty much the same way he's going to have to do stuff to survive and that's probably going to get him in even more trouble and you know hanging out with guys that are um career criminals and they're living that lifestyle, and some of them have no hope of ever getting out of prison. So that you know they don't give a fuck. They could kill somebody, and they're like, "Hey, you killed somebody." He's like, "Oh, gives a shit. What are you gonna do? Put me in prison? <laughs> I'm already here." Um, <laughs> You're going to prison, prison. Yeah, and then like with Ron Decker, I mean, even if he gets out and he's got a felony rap sheet, I mean, you know, try and get a job, a, a decent job with that and everything. So he's kind of put in a between a rock and a hard place. He get, now he goes into prison and I don't know if you would say it was lucky or unlucky, but he ends up in a prison cell with Jan. Now Jan is <laughs> Mickey Rourke. <laughs> and Mickey Rourke is Mickey a, Rourke is amazing. He's a transgender uh, he I don't think he's transgender. I think he's just I think he's just a transvestite. I think he just dresses cuz he t- he says he has a cock. So yeah. I don't think he's like taking well, any hormones or but he might be uh you know pre-op or whatever. But he's definitely a woman inside a man's body because yeah. you know and and the and the the Mickey Rourke goes, I mean, talk about a role <laughs> that he just chomps his teeth into if he would have had teeth. <laughs> uh that's one thing that that really sets it off. He he wears a a bra and then he wears his like uh, like a lacy purple bra or something, and he wears his shirt like tied up underneath his pecs, like uh, it's showing his belly, like like a belly shirt. But he oh, he's got a belly button ring. It's so bad. Yeah, he's got makeup <laughs> on and stuff, but he has no teeth. 
Like, because I guess maybe when Mickey Rourke was boxing, maybe he got his teeth knocked out. I don't know. But he actually has no teeth in the front. You know, he just has the, the canines oh. in the back. And so he's like, you just bring that little packet down here. I take care of you. But I will say this about Jan. Jan wasn't a rapist. And nope. he, he does make some funny comments, like sexual comments. And he stares at Ron when he's pissing. And he's like, I wish Jan piss was now. I wish Jan was uh... – was in it more. Yeah. He was in it. I love those scenes. He was in it there at the beginning when Ron, he was his cellmate there for a while. And then Ron meets, uh, this crew, of you know, the white guys, uh, just now, to, now, now come down here and eat my pussy. Yeah. Come down and eat my pussy. <laughs> you know, which is funny. Cause I mean, like I said, it just, uh, Ron and Jan joke around, like when Jan says stuff like that. Now you know Jan would probably fuck Ron if Ron wanted to. Yeah, but he was just, but he wasn't like I said, he wasn't like a rapist. He wasn't going to just like. Oh, and he was always sweaty. He was yeah. always dripping sweat. <laughs> just the greasy and sweaty. Yeah. Um. So he meets uh he meets Earl. Uh, and at first, I like how they did it because, like I said, you got Bunker and you got Treo who were actually in prison. So this really feels realistic. It really feels real uh, where he – this other guy introduces him. They had that etiquette, that protocol. Here, you stand over here. I'm going to go talk to this guy. Uh, yeah. You know, let me – do you care if I introduce you to somebody? And the first thing Defoe goes is – looks over at, uh, at uh, Edward Furlong and he goes, is he abroad? You know, because they have that thing like, okay, is he a punk? Is he is he somebody that we, you know, like a chick that we can fuck or whatever? And uh, he goes, no, he's a he's a good white 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 boy or something like that. So Earl and Ron kind of it, it's not it doesn't happen super fast, but they kind of develop like a a friendship, and that's the thing that 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 in this movie that kind of. Uh, that I liked is that that they developed something there that uh, like Earl even there's there's a few times where Ron you know is nervous about asking Earl something or like Earl uh, gets um, gets it set up so Ron will get moved out of Jan's cell and into his cell. And mm-hmm. Ron's like, I don't know if I want to do it because he's thinking, you know, God, you know, everybody here. He even says this. Everybody here looks at me like a like he's a piece of meat and they're all sharks. You know, even, you know, everybody um, because he's young. He's a young, good looking young guy and everything. And and they're either looking at him, how they can abuse him, how they can fuck him, how they can, uh, you know, just. He's the weak. It's a it's shark tank and he's like a guppy. So, and that's the thing. They always call them, you know, the new guys fish, you know, and they're in a shark tank and, you know, hey, new fish. You know. So, um, but Earl even tells him, he says, you know, um, if I, and they don't, they don't uh, sugarcoat it. He, he tells Ron, he says, you know, I'm looking for more than just that. You know, if I wanted to fuck you, I could have done it already, you know, right, right. pretty much. Uh, and, uh, like I said, Earl seems like you know even his his buddies are all kind of like uh, macho or rednecks or whatever or or just kind of uh, poor guys that are, they don't they're not they're just into their drugs and into their prison life. 
Whereas Earl seems like he's a really like kind of an intelligent guy. He's got plans. He's thinking about this and that and how he can use um, his uh, job in the, in the office of the, the uh, warden or whatever to get things done. Uh, they have a drug uh, selling drugs and moving drugs around doing drugs and everything revolves around drugs. And um, you have to go through him every, uh, uh, how they, um, like with Earl, people doing favors for each other. I can get you this if you do this for me and everything. But he's he tells Ron, he says, you know, I, I kind of see something in you. Uh, maybe he sees something of himself when he first started there or whatever, and he's vulnerable and everything. But, he, but when I say they don't sugarcoat it, he also tells him, you know, he, he is attracted to him. But he says, that's my hang up. You know, that's something I have to deal with. They, they don't have anything to do with you. So I like the uh, – first of all, we have a second uh, – have we – I think we've done at least one Seymour Casal movie, Mickey yeah, and yeah, Moskowitz. Yeah. Yep. And so he – Oh, says, and we uh, did the, the other one with Buscemi, the In the Soup. Yeah. So, I mean, he shows up, which is kind of cool. I forgot he was in this. And as soon as I saw him, I was like, hey, yeah, that he has a silver and gold uh, – uh, you know, kind of a thing we've done him for now. Um, and Willem Dafoe too. Now this, I, I, I could have sworn we've done more than two Willem Dafoe movies, but looking back, maybe I took bad notes. We did, uh, we did a Willem Dafoe double. Uh, we did, um, uh, wild at heart and, oh, uh, loveless. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. When he was the motorcycle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so anyway, uh, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We've been doing this for a, uh, quite a while now. Too long. Too long. Um, I mean, what? Yeah. <laughs> you have um, – everything feels real. I mean, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, the thing that there, uh, there's uh, – like that guy Psycho Mike with his pity, gross, sweaty face, and he's trying to get uh, <laughs> uh, Ron to – he he comes over and runs a scam with Ron and says, you know, some people have been talking about you. They say you're a snitch, you know, but uh, we need to straighten this out. And he doesn't even know this guy. He's like, what the fuck? Is, you know, and then um, I think Earl or somebody tells him, he says, you know, they're running a scam on you. They're going to get you over this thing and a bunch of them are going to grab you and fuck, rape you and everything. So he gets in with those guys. Well, now you have a, an appearance by Buscemi. Uh, he uh, puts himself in his own movie, um, and he, uh, which he was good though. He plays a yeah, he's fine. Uh, a prison administrator kind of guy, like in Oz, the guy that kind of uh, was running the whole thing. And yeah, they, they try and see. They're trying to treat the guys and, and telling him, you know, stay out of trouble and all this and that. But but they don't understand when you're in that Shark Tank, you have to do things or or join up with a they're like you need to stay away from Earl Copen and and his his crew you know it's not good for you you can be out with good behavior and he's and Furlong's like in his head is like you know if I'm not with these guys I'm either going to get killed I'm going to get raped so or I both yeah or both and um but the, the there's even this time when I watched it, uh, I for, I forgot about Tom Arnold. He God. he has like this this part, and he is such a it, it was per. I mean, it was what a piece of shit. He was perfect in the role because yeah, he plays this fucking redneck kind of guy, 
And he's not in it for very long, but he is very memorable. I will just say that. <laughs> um, you see Ron getting more and more into uh, the prison life uh, with Earl and his crew. He he makes his I, – I don't say makes his bones because that means you kill somebody. But he earns their respect by helping them in a couple of situations doing things and they're like, Hey, he's a good guy. You know, he did, uh, especially when something happens and they all get called in and they question them all and he keeps his mouth shut yeah. and stuff like that. Um, I, I, I really dig the relationship that him and Earl form. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not an easy, it's not an easy, like cut and dry prison movie relationship. Yeah. It's like a mentor thing, but it's more complex. It's 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 cool and Defoe is really good in this. Like he I, lo- I love his cuz he I I get used to Defoe being well fuck, like I said, I just watched Shadow of the Vampire. I'm used to him being a creep or yeah. just kind of strange and he's very like like he's not creepy in this in the least. But what's weird is is the um the kind of duality He's not, but when you when you break it down, he's a bad guy. Well, yeah, I mean he's in, he's been in prison for eighteen years, so he you know he did something really shitty. Yeah. But even though he's <laughs> and, a bad I mean, guy, he's, they they don't just make it black and white. He, he's good in context. <laughs> yeah, he he likes his friends. I mean, he they, he has created, and they all have. He has created a. a a life inside this prison. I mean, and when you when you look at it, okay, you have like a lot of violence and stuff like that. But when you look at these guys, they're just a bunch of guys. They're friends. They hang out. Uh, they're in prison, so their circumstances. They're in prison, but they also still have relationships. They still have people that you know. They're like, oh, that guy's a piece of shit, or this guy's you know my boss, but you know he's okay. He's cool, and everything kind of runs like even the Seymour Casal character, he's not a real super hard ass. Uh he wants things to run smoothly. He knows that Earl mm-hmm. is kind of like a connection for him to keep things running right and everything. And I think I like that relationship. Like yep. even when Earl's in the hole and he comes in and visits him and he's like, hey, you know, that brings him magazines and stuff. And he um they got he sits some, there on a milk crate chatting. It, yeah, they got some uh, hair. This heroin that they had, it looks like a little red marble. Uh, a little brown, it's a little brown bag. Yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, he's talking to uh, Earl, who's typing up a report for him, and he says, "Yeah, da da da. Let's." Um, um, he knows that if he puts the the drugs in the report, that it's going to blow up, and it's going, you know. The prison administrators are going to want to lock everything down or whatever. So he's like, you know, we don't really want that. We want things to run smooth. And when he he, he says, just leave leave the – write up the report, leave the drugs out of it. And when he walks away, he just drops it in the uh, trash can, and it makes kind of like a pang sound. <laughs> and he – it's like he's throwing it away, but it's he's not. You know, he did yeah, it yeah. knowing that Earl does drugs and that Earl can use it and everything. It's like I'll do this for you and everything. One hand washes the other, but it's not a bad thing. It's it's not like Casal is um, a bad guy. 
it's just they're 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 everybody's in this situation and it's like okay let's now if shit went down if there was some really bad shit that went down yeah they were they would crack down like when with uh um when earl and ron get put into solitary you know they uh they they're not not going to or they're not going to overlook things if things get too bad there's they they can't like i think casal would try and help him but he's like yeah. it's kind of out of my hands they're they're going to send you to another prison so you know he has to figure out ways it's it's kind of cool because like i said he's he's a a very smart guy i like when he was like talking through the toilet that's how they it's like they're almost oh like yeah yelling yelling thing. through the pipes yeah, yeah. that was cool so there's ways that they figure out things like that. So it's it's cool how, you know, like Gentleman's Guide and some other stuff that we've listened to uh, where they talk about um, subcultures of of people and just learning about them. Like with these movies, when they're realistic, you're you're in you're in there with them, and you're like, okay, oh, cool, you know, when uh, they're showing. Uh, how they keep the, the what they call the armory, you know, like they have like a little where they stash all the weapons, and you go and get them. And uh, was it in the Short Eyes? The one guy had a bandana around him, kept him like down in his belt, like all the stabby stuff where you can stab people. With I think so. To people, um, there's a I like the one th- the one guy uh, they called him Bad Eye, and uh, he's walking across <laughs> the thing, and Treo looks over at uh, Willem Dafoe, and he goes. Uh, I thought, I thought his name was Bad Eye. He goes, he's got the coldest stroll in the uh, in the in the prison. He comes, he was just this fat guy with big bushy hair. Um, but Defoe, oh, good that guy with the with like the Fu Manchu mustache. Yeah, big long kind of bushy Fu Manchu. That guy's been in a lot of shit too. What is his name? I can't remember. Paul Paul Adams. He's on uh, he's on uh, Sons of Anarchy now. Or no, yeah, he plays maybe that's Paul Adams. It's Mark Boone Jr. Um, I like him. I like the one scene where they're like, uh, man, I want a ticket to the show. I want a ticket to the show. And then they go, well, one thing Treo talked about in the documentary uh, about his life was doing heroin. And he said, like, you know, when his dad would go off on him, he'd be scared to death. He'd be sitting there and he'd be like trembling. Or but his uncle, I think it was his uncle or his cousin would be there and he would be high on heroin. And he said his dad would just be in his face, just going off and he'd go, I'd be scared to death. But my, my uh, uncle would just be standing there, you know, like um, just bleary eyed, like nothing affected him. And when <laughs> they went to, um, when they are, you know, they call it, you know, like when you, when you're doing heroin and you're like nodding, you like, you're nodding off when somebody's actually mm-hmm. just sitting there talking to you, you know, your eyes are rolling in the back of your head and everything. And that they, was a really cool. That was a really cool part of um, the only lovers left alive. Whenever they would drink a certain type of blood, mm-hmm. um, they it, it was like they were high. They would just kind of like and like fall backwards, and like the camera would kind of follow their face. It same kind of. It looked like it looked like a heroin high when they were doing it. Yeah, when uh, they, they they go to the show that everybody wants tickets to, and it's this dude up there. And I guess this guy's a. I I, I looked it up on the thing. He's a he has a band and everything, and. Um, I can't remember what it was called there now. Um, oh yeah, that guy was pretty good. The guy with the slick back hair. Now the first guy, Anthony Hegarty. Uh, his band it's Anthony Anthony and the Johns is uh, who that is. And there's now, was that the guy with the slick back hair or that one at the beginning where that was like blonde and was singing like the really shitty? I think that was the blonde guy because <laughs> that was not good. The accordion. 
the accordion and the violin while he's singing. But then I like the guy that um, the blues guy, yeah, the blues guy was really good. Um, he's uh, I looked him up too. He's from Texas, and um, he's really good. I mean, you know, just the style of music and everything. Um, but they're sitting there watching that blonde-haired guy, and they're like <laughs> nodding because they had just done some heroin. And Treo, this guy's up there. He's singing, and Treo just looks over and he looks over at like uh, Willem Dafoe, like, "What the fuck is this shit?" You know, <laughs> which was kind of cool. Um, but I've seen this a bunch of times. I'm, I'm interested or, or curious to hear your uh, what you thought and some of the stuff that you liked and everything. The um, well, I, I was looking up while you were going through your notes uh, that Bushimi directed. Two episodes of Oz, one before this one and one after this one. So, um, but yeah, it was cool having Defoe. I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't have a ton to add on this one. I, I'd like, and these are, it's, it's, uh, I will say that Kelly picked out, um, Short Eyes requested that somebody review it. So I jumped on it so we didn't have to do any work. And then, uh, <laughs> Dave, Dave Mack suggested, um, this one to go along with it. And they, they have a very, similar feel in insofar as they are about these we're not talking about escape we're talking about the the the, the relationships that guys have and in, in that is completely inside prison that is completely like it's like in a bubble yeah and the outside world almost doesn't play much of a part at all and this one more it does well i guess i guess that does so but not a huge part. Like you have Edward Furlong's dad in this one, and you have um, Clark's pending court issues in the other one. Yeah. But the 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 meat of these are how these guys deal with day to day life, what they do, and what 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 I really appreciated about this one was um, was that, like I said already, Defoe's kind of taking uh, taking. I forgot his name in the movie. Um, Ron. Ron, yes, Ron Decker under his wing, and it wasn't it wasn't hammy, it wasn't corny, and it wasn't like honestly. And, and Bushimi did a good job of building some tension in this. Honestly, at first, and it's probably because I'm conditioned with seeing shit like Oz or yeah. other other sleazier things like that. That. I was like, I was waiting for the, the 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 hammer to fall. I was I was waiting for something shitty to happen. And there's a moment late in the movie that was a very good like it's, it wasn't like action packed or anything like that. But there were some good tense moments built in the movie without do, having to do a lot of stuff, which I appreciated. Um, the uh, but yeah, I, I like the Seymour Cassell relationship with with Defoe as well. And Defoe was really good. He's like he was understated in this, and it's 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 good. Um, I, I laughed when uh, Furlong was trying to piss, and and uh, <laughs> staring at, <him. laughs> and Mickey Rourke walks in, and he's like, "Jan, do you mind?" And he's just looking down at his dick, and he's like, "Nope, I don't mind at all." <laughs> That's okay. You just keep on going, honey. <laughs> oh, and there was one dude with a trust no bitch neck tattoo, which I made me laugh as well. <laughs> Well, you can't. You can't trust no bitch, even if it's nope. a man bitch. You know how they are. Um, yeah, that, that's going to get them far in life. I wonder if it's like uh, in prison when you have a bitch, 
if you if like you like you walk over to your buddy and you're like Jesus Christ, there's nothing. I mean, you know, you know how they are. They're just always <laughs> nagging at you and shit. Clean the cell, do this, you know. Sneak. Oh um, God, did you not feel bad for the uh, the uh, there was the one guy at the beginning when Ron was in just the jail when he was getting ready to get sentenced and everything, or they're, they're transporting him from the jail to the prison and the African-American guy sitting beside him. He's like, uh, what's they were handing out food and he goes, uh, I can't eat cheese. I'm allergic to cheese. Well, that guy ends up going to the prison and Ron would see him every oh. once in a while. And he had this great big daddy. <laughs> yeah. He's like, looks like somebody oh, got it. got himself a, you know, daddy or something and i was like oh that sucks and he would look at ron and they just make eye contact and he'd be like fuck <laughs> he yeah he and and ron being as 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 pretty and young as ron decker was uh he fell into the the definite right crowd i'd say yeah he did get a finger um, up his butt but well, yeah yeah and i mean i mean it, it but Fuck he all that. This is going to happen. I like the fucking Tom Arm. Tom, Tom Arm. Tom Arnold. <laughs> He's like, hey, man, I'm not a, I'm not a chick. And he goes, fuck all that. You know? <laughs> and he looked pretty skinny in this, too. Fine. What a creep he was. Ugh. Um, but there's some nicely edited stuff in it. It's a pretty simple movie, but it was. I, I, I like the way the intro was edited with Furlong co- going through the system, where it's showing him in prison at the same time as going through court. And um, I don't know. This is a nice little, nice little. I mean, not nice, nice, but it's it's a well made, <laughs> uh, well made, well made little movie. I, I I quite dug it. And like I said, I had never heard of this before, so. It wasn't, this one caught me by surprise. Buscemi did a good job. Good job, Buscemi. Good job, Mickey. Good Rowe. job, buddy. Good job, Will. He needs Fred. our he needs our support. Now they ought to make a sequel to this. Uwe Boll ought to make a sequel to it. Yeah. <laughs> or they could make the a sequel to it and have uh, have uh, Boyka. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that would be cool. If Boyka, those are really realistic. I like those prison movies better. We gotta do that. We gotta do undisputed sometime. You fucking great! I am I the most you, ultimate fighter in the world. About the first undisputed with Wesley Snipes and Bing, Bing Rains. Rains. and I've seen it, but I can tell you fucking word for word the other. Two. <laughs> <laughs> they're so much. They're so entertaining. I told you knew I you knew I saw Undisputed Three at the theater with. Uh, uh, Zoror and um, yes, yeah. Was that uh, the, the director uh, there? The, the action, action fest, fest, yeah the the short lived action fest. That was pretty cool. And and awesome. and Zoror did his fucking like corkscrew jump thing in, in front of everybody. Uh, acrobatics. How the fuck yeah. do these guys do that shit? But you know, hey, I don't know. But anyway, we can we, we can rate it. They probably don't lay around as much as we do. No, oh my God! I've laid around so much this week. My, I, I would lay around. Why? I, I watched six movies on Friday, and that that included. Uh, I even watched a, this WWF documentary, so I guess it was seven. Um, but like, I ached at the end of the day from not moving. <laughs> Get a little burnout, a little movie burnout. God, yeah, I did. I, I, I did not feel well at the end of that day. Um, anyway, you let's, go, let's rate this one. I give this one 
8.5. I've watched it uh, several times. In, I hadn't watched it in a long time, and when I watched it the other night, I watched it on my iPad and then uh, started watching it again. It's one that I can yeah, revisit yeah. quite a bit. Cool. Um, I give it an 8. Um, it's uh, – I what I what if I had to compare the two movies that we're doing this week, what I do like about this one – the other one felt a little more visceral, which I liked, but I like that this one feels a lot, felt more realistic and that it wasn't it didn't have the some of the 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 melodrama type stuff that the other one had. And when I say melodrama, not like professing love that sort of thing. I mean like the you know like like we were saying the uh, the monologue type speeches yeah. and that sort of thing, which I, I I liked about the other one that made it unique, but I, I liked this one better. And, and Defoe was, was just, I, I liked him a lot in this. It's, yeah. The, uh, mon- the, the monologue thing with Davison with Clark in the first one, it wasn't that it was bad it, because yeah. it really, <laughs> it really lets you into the mind of the, of the pedophile, mm-hmm. but it, it didn't feel natural. Right, and, it it, well, like and that's it's, yeah, yeah, and a lot, a lot of the stuff in that movie felt almost it got to that point at times. So, but I give it an eight. Um, I I dug this quite a bit, and and Mickey Rourke was probably the highlight for me. He was pretty amazing. So, all right, that was it for Animal Factory. Thank you, uh, Kelly and Dave, for the recommends. Yes. Uh, let's take a break and come back and do a little feed sack and maybe a few questions. Questions. We'll be right back. There are a lot of podcasts out there that do science fiction, horror, and fantasy movies, but how many of them are done by somebody who's been watching this shit for half a century? Hi, my name's Terry Frost, and I do the Martian Drive-In Podcast, a podcast where I look at silent Frost films giant. all the way through to movies from the second decade of the 21st century. I look at fantasy, horror, and science fiction, and talk about them, sometimes with the guests, sometimes by myself, but always with an eye to the stuff that maybe has slipped off your radar, if it was ever on your radar. So go to marsdrivein.blogspot.com or type Martian Drive-In Podcast into iTunes and enjoy a bit of decent genre talk. And keep watching the skies. Scandalous. Money, greed and lust. In this trife life, there ain't nobody you can trust. Plus, there's no justice, it's just us. In fact, watching your back, it be a must. And each and every day around the way, gats bust. And jealous so-called friends will try to set you up. It's called betrayal. Check the horror scene. The kid was like 12 or 13. Never had the chance like other kids to follow dreams. Watch his father catch two in the dome into the spleen. Nothing but blood everywhere. These streets are mean. They spared his life but killed his mom's and his sister Jean. Of course, over some drug shit. His pops was on some ill out. Spill your guts out. On All some right. Tumber the feed sacking. Uh, I guess we'll start with the questions first this week, Dom, if you'd like to read those, and we'll see what we can tickle some fancies and some taints all across the universe. This is from good friend of the show, Armin. Um, how many movies in your collection have you actually never seen? Oh, God. <laughs> um, Did you count? Well, I didn't count. Now... <laughs> 
it's, if it's if I'm counting DVDs mm-hmm. and Blu-rays, it's probably not many. I'd say I'd say probably twenty five or less because unless it's unless it was like big lots, I'm not going to just buy a disc blind. Yeah. Or if I do buy it blind, I watch it immediately. Um, so there's probably like 25 or so DVDs that I've big lotsed over the years, over the last couple of years that I didn't watch. But if I talk about movies that I've borrowed, um, we're probably talking in the hundreds. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, yeah. Most of the ones that I have on disc that I haven't watched are from flea markets or big lots or something like that where you, yeah. you get a big haul. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to buy, like, fucking ten movies for a dollar and then come home and watch them all. So I do have a, a couple of shoe boxes um, that have some some stuff in them that are – I was just looking at tonight. I put a bunch of stuff away, but I have a shoe box in by my uh, – because I bought a new pair of shoes too. And they're called – what are these called? Um, Clark's. They're very comfortable. I like them. They're, mm. they're nice. They're stylish. Casual stuff, you know. Um, but uh, I I like using the shoebox to put my DVDs in because uh, I bought these big Rubbermaid bins, but then you put so many in there that it's they're not organized or anything, and it's like I'll go down to the basement, and I'm like, fuck. I'd rather rent the thing for two ninety nine <laughs> on iTunes than go down there and have to try and find this shit. But, that, yeah. yeah, there's some of them like that. Um, uh, but... Uh, a lot of the stuff I have, I, I, I really, I'm like you, I, I got fucked on uh, first-time watches enough. Uh, unless it's really cheap, I won't buy something unless I've seen it because uh, there's nothing worse than like something comes out and it's new and you're like, oh, fuck it. I'll just – I'll pay the fourteen ninety nine and just buy it and then it ends up being a turd. Turd. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. hesitant to buy those. <clears throat> Another question comes from Andrew. Uh, what do you think awesome, totally awesome Fabian looks like? I am convinced that that is a character and that somebody made it up, made him up, and I think it's Will. I swear to God, <laughs> I do not think that Fabian is a real person. I think it is uh, a character. If he was a real person, what would he look like? Somebody who hates silver and gold. <laughs> yeah. What? I would. Uh, what if I if I had to imagine? He's got he's got blondish hair, but it's and it's a little bit wispy. Like he's not he's not balding, but it's very thin. Really. And uh, and he uh, he has rosacea. I was thinking a cross <laughs> between Keanu Reeves and Luis Guzman. <laughs> with with or without an afro? With the afro. Nice. Got to have the afro. That's a, Keanu Reeves with so an I'm think, afro. Yeah. I'm thinking I'm thinking Aryan and you're thinking yeah. I don't know what. Polish? <laughs> uh, yeah, something. Okay. Pol Hawaiian? <laughs> Let's see. Uh totally awesome Justin Oberholzer, the cinemasochist. Ask a question. Um was there anybody else you contemplated for being the gold before settling on Dolph for the Sylvan Gold name? Now, is it really fair to say we settled on Dolph? Um, I don't think there was. Uh, 
the original idea was not to even have I mean, that wasn't like when we named it Silva and Gold, the gold was more just, you know, Silva's bathroom. It's a, it's, yeah, it, <laughs> it's a play on um, silver and gold, obviously, but Silva and gold being that will cover trashy Eurocrime, Henry Silva showing his balls through his robe stuff and <laughs> some, you know, and and some classy stuff as well. Um, so the the original idea was was like, hey, why don't we do a Silva and gold double feature and so Dolph was just something we had just you know well, I think had mutual respect too, for was when uh like we were i don't know i thought for some reason Dolph was pretty pretty uh prominent at that i don't know if that was during universal soldier and uh and some of his uh straight to d v d uh, things that were pretty good that he directed, and we were kind of yeah. Like, we looked we back. Uh, I looked back at the at the post, and it was like episode eleven was our first Dolphin Henry Silva double, and we did Men of War. Yeah, Men of War. So I, don't, I honestly I don't I don't know what got at that moment Dolph on our radar. We've done more Dolph movies than any other actor because we've done more than just on the on the Silva and Gold episodes because we did those. We did the and the name of the king with with Mikey and. Oof. Yeah, could have been J. Although Michael his, Vincent. You know, he's he his was the was golden better. goddess for a dude. That is true. If J. Michael Vincent was in prison, and when he was young, he walked in with that <laughs> long blonde hair and shit. The guys would be like licking their lips. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I might be too. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, let's see. Um, this is from Andrew. What did you want to be when you were kids? <laughs> okay. You go through the, stages. Yeah, my I'd say the the first thing I could ever remember wanting to be, <clears throat> and it and and I remember when it crashed down to. Um, I used to want to be a garbage man because uh, the 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 guys that collected our garbage every week had these drums, these big barrels that they would get the trash in, and they would roll the barrels down the driveway. They didn't carry them on their back or anything or have wheels. They would actually put the barrel down and roll it. And I thought it was I, – I was obsessed with it. I was like five, and I thought it was the <laughs> coolest fucking thing, and I wanted to roll a fucking barrel for a living. And then they started carrying them, and it wasn't – it lost its magic. It just wasn't <laughs> oh, as cool anymore. And then I think oh. I wanted to be like an astronaut or something. So, Well, I remember yeah. um, wanting to be at one time a truck driver – because my dad was a truck driver, not because of my dad, but because of like the CB craze with the rubber yeah, duck yeah, and all yeah. that shit. Um, and now I want to be a truck driver like Stacy Keach in Road Games. Um, yeah, I wanted to be Billy Jack. <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to be uh, an ex half a a half breed ex Green Beret who fought on the side of helping a hippie school. I love Billy Jack. He was my hero. I wanted to be. Think, I wanted to be a wrestler, of course. I always wanted to be a wrestler. I still want to be a wrestler. I don't. I. I want to be a wrestler like uh, not these guys that five thousand hurricane ranas and like kill themselves jumping off onto the floor. I wanted to be like a an old school wrestler. I think I could do the old school. I don't know though because my could, back usually gets out just from laying around. So that that might. I don't, yeah, I think I would do something like the heart punch. That like, would be my yeah, own. like stuff like Ox Baker and Blackjack Mulligan or something. <laughs> Um, let's yeah. see. 
but it all it all turns to shit when you realize that a job's just a, a way to make money no matter what you know just get a yeah. job fucking make money and live your fucking shit life um what's Dialogue. your favorite dog movie well what's your favorite dog in a movie that's from andrew also uh, Ooh. <laughs> um shit first one that comes uh, to mind for me is hooch and turner and hooch i like so the little dog the little jack russell in beginners what's beginners oh yeah okay uh, the, the the McGregor McGregor that was really good and i've always liked einstein and back to the future oh. <laughs> even though he doesn't have a very big part i just like i just like that shaggy dog though this is from davy mac this is specifically to you. What's been your favorite Uh-oh. of the classic war movies you've been watching? Both Samuel Fuller movies. Uh, the Big Red One that I watched I thought was awesome, and I really liked his Still Helmet movie. Still Helmet? Um, he's, he's very good at – and this is going to come up soon with the movies we're doing next week. Um, he's very good at uh, uh, the relationships in – in war, the the camaraderie and stuff. I, I I like the, I like that background stuff that he puts in his war movies. Um, pretty cool stuff. You like you like camaraderie. I do. Man. I need a friend. <laughs> yeah, hairy guy chomping on a cigar like Gene Evans. Yeah, with uh, a dent in his helmet. Yeah, cool. He, he probably just fucking made that dent. He probably got drunk and fell and hit his head <laughs> on a rock. Uh, this is from Kashif. What films make you really angry? When I ask this, I'm referring to uh, filmmaker failure or agenda you disagree with. Um, angry. Let's see. I really liked the first Iron Man movie, mm-hmm. and the second Iron Man movie was such a turd to me that it made me angry. Like I just I hated the end of it. Like the, it was just such a disappointment. Um, and the crank movies always make me angry because <laughs> they they're, do. So, they're they're like the epitome of douche. I fucking hate the crank movies. <laughs> oh no! Oh, and on. and there's another movie called Teeth, I think, about this chick with two teeth in her in her cooch, and like every guy in the movie wants to rape her, and it it just got old after a while, and that made movie made me angry by the end. I don't know why anybody would want to rape somebody that had teeth in their cooch. Well, they they didn't know that was the point. Oh, and they didn't she... know, and then their dick would get bit off, and it and it happened. Like, like it could have been a short of like fifteen minutes and been entertaining, but of course, every fucking guy in her life, including her stepbrother, wants to bang her, and uh, and of course they um, get mutilated, and it was it made me pissed off by them you know how the <laughs> stepbrothers can be yeah uh i i don't know i'm trying to think of anything that really uh, i get pissed off more like like uh mel gibson pisses me off uh <laughs> mark Wahlberg pisses me off there's people that piss me off um as oh from, what about the the yeah the the mark Wahlberg movie we did those two fucking movies that Which Justin one? picked for us, those made me angry. Oh, the one about the where he was like uh, stalking the, his ex girlfriend, yeah, forever. Forever. Yeah, he's a dick. Uh, stuff like that. <laughs> I, I just more, but the, you know that was that wasn't bad. Uh, I, I don't like people that are. It wasn't even that Wahlberg was bad in that. It was um, 
you know, just the, the how he, his character was. I don't like bullies. I, don't, I hate fucking – that's – that. yeah, just even saying that, when I start thinking about movies where guys – where people are real bullies and shit like that or uh, it reminds me of somebody that I knew and I – you know, like that. <laughs> okay. Well, good, good the other thing because I couldn't come up with anything. Um, this is from David. What was the last dream you remember? <sighs> Mine's going to be boring. Um, the last dream I see, I know I had some weird dreams last night, but I can't remember them. Yeah. The only other dream that I can remember, the last one I can remember was like, um, we're, I'm working on this project at work where we're, tr- we're trying to edit a, a, a video or something, but, um, I was working alongside someone on it a couple days ago mm-hmm. and I pretty much just had a dream that we were on this in like it wasn't a bed. It was like a it was like a couch without a back, and we were laying there, like writing in this notebook. And there was two other people from work, like that would come in and just asking us things, and they were typing something on an iPad. And, and like I, that's what I remember about the dream, and it was boring and made no sense. <laughs> I always have these like uh, last night. I was sleeping in my recliner in the basement, and I think I'm awake, but I'm not. And I'll be like looking at something. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Is that the iPad laying there? And I'll reach over and I'm like <laughs> trying to touch it, but there's nothing there and just odd stuff like that. I haven't had any bug dreams lately, which is good, like where the bugs That's are good. either crawling on me or crawling on the wall or something. Mostly they're never – well, sometimes crawling on me, but most of the time it's like they're they're like uh, spiders and stuff or something – going across the ceiling or whatever. They don't mess with me, but I just see them. And I'm like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. It's weird. It's uh, Dreams are so weird because it's funny when, you, when you're right in the middle of it and you're like, like, say if it's like a dream about a chick and you're like really, you know, like in love or something like that. And then as soon as you wake up and go take a piss and you're standing there, you're like, I can't, what the fuck was I? I know I was dreaming something. What was it? You can't remember. It's weird how you yeah. can be so involved in industry. I think it's like Inception. You know, <laughs> dream in a dream. Dream in a dream. S- somebody's trying to steal your new car. Oh God! And I kept thinking, gee, I, I was, I was so, I'm such a, a paranoid, uh, not miserable person, but you know, just somebody who's cynical. I was like, I, I hope, oh God, I hope I don't hit a deer or something. I got this brand new car. I'll probably hit a fucking deer. Something bad's going to happen. I'll, I'll knock the fucking mirror off, pulling it in the garage. I went over a million different things and, you know, so anyway, nothing's, you know, just got to do what you got to do. Yeah. It's just a fucking car, which I should have just got something cheap and shitty. Yeah. You got to treat yourself every once in a while. I'm not the kind I got of a new, I got a new treat myself. I got a new Godzilla toy, and his face looks like a cat a little bit. Nice. It's kind of weird. I, and that's me wasting money. So, Cool. Any more? That's it. That was the end of the questions. Thanks for the questions, nice. guys. <clears throat> cool. Well, we we never get anybody little... that wants to ask questions like where we give them advice. No, well, maybe we, maybe we'll get that. Yeah, I like maybe that. Maybe if they, uh, they hear that. Yeah, let's, let's do some romantic advice. I like giving romantic from, uh, advice. From two guys that <laughs> that are miserable <laughs> failures. <laughs> 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 uh, um, okay, so we got a couple feed sacks. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna read Armin's first because um, he's got a twofer, and then we got a couple voicemails. Um, hi, Loaf and Zom. 
I hope you are both doing exceptionally well. Yeah. I'm currently traveling without a mic, so I can just send in an email this time. He sent two emails, but they both got attached together. Um, I'm really excited to hear your opinions about the two flicks I selected last week. I watched, I rewatched both in the last week to get back in the mood. I've also found some information here and there on YouTube, interviews and short making of for Emperor of the North. I generally love movies taking place on a train, and there are examples from comedy, Silver Streak, to horror, Horror Express, that utilize this means of transportation to great effect. Um, we did a we did a train show very early on with uh, Hobo with a Shotgun that Zom loved. <laughs> That might have been your that might have been your first two on the show. I have to revisit that. Um, even otherwise great flicks like From Russia with Love are amped up in the scenes taking place on the train. This is a some this is somehow very uh, a, a very special setting that can also make filming quite difficult. Emperor of the North is one of my favorite train movies because it uses the train itself so effectively. Beside the train, besides the train with Burt Lancaster, and features two of the greatest manly actors of all time. In addition to Borgie and Marvin, it also has a great side cast of characters that are just as excellent, uh, e.g. Charles Tyner, Simon Oakland, Elisha Cook Jr. Uh, young scrawny Carradine is so annoying as the wise-ass youngster <laughs> and gets his deserved kick from the train in the end. Spoiler alert. Uh, it is also <laughs> the Borgnine marvin collaborations I like the most, maybe followed by The Dirty Dozen and Bad Day at Black Rock. Um, Snort. I heard in one of the interviews that the filming of the gripping and realistic infight took 35 days to shoot. I just love the way how Marvin and Borgnine go at it using chain, planks, hammers, and an axe. Emperor of the North has, besides the amazing train setting, a lot to offer, great cinematography and music, even some comedic bits. If one wants to go a bit deeper, one could see the main fight between the king of hobos and the brutal train conductor as a representation of the battle between the people in quotes, and the oppressing authorities guarding the means of uh, transportation as representation of independence. Indi independence, yes. From Here to Eternity is a good war story and character piece that shows Borgie in just a small, although important role. I liked Clift as the main character, but often Sinatra stole the show as a lively Maggio, and Lancaster is just stunning. The only thing I dislike about this movie is how I always thought there should have been a fight between Lancaster and Borgnine, but this would have been, but this would of course, uh, given the story a different drift. Sorry for rambling on so long. I hope you guys had a good time watching and discussing the movies. Have a great week, week. Um, kind regards, Armin. Um, yeah, we we covered uh, some of that stuff in our reviews. Um, I do like the uh, the pinko commie comment about. The man versus the oppressing uh, authorities, though. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know what that bullshit was all about. Yeah. Fucking lib. Um, <laughs> then he wrote, Hi, guys. <clears throat> I actually missed sending in my email last week, expecting your recording on Sunday, so this is uber late. Just wanted to share my thoughts. Just skip the part below if it seems too long. Too late! Um, I really loved your Borgnine episode. You both brought your A-plus game for sure. Nothing too much to report over here. Most recent watches for me have been 13 Sins by German director Daniel Stamm. Not too bad. The Japanese Unforgiven remake with Ken Watanabe. And my second movie by Polish director Zulowski, The Main Thing Is to Love, with the great Romy Schneider, Klaus Kinski, and Fabio Testi. Uh, 13 Sins having a couple of what-the-fuck moments, and I liked the schlobby main character driven to drastic decisions by an unknown force, offering overwhelming financial reward. When checking the deleted scenes and alternate ending, I found they 
actually left some interesting stuff out. Without spoiling too much, I have to say one of the more interesting but cut out challenges was to find a person, male or female, given you wait, but cut out challenges was to find a person, male or female, given you oral pleasure without offering money or using force within 20 minutes. This plays out quite interesting. <laughs> uh, I can't even find another person that I want to talk to in 20 minutes. Um, I have to look for the original version from Thailand. Uh, Jube, Jube Kamata, or Unforgiven, is a great-looking Japanese take on the Eastwood Oscar winner, and Watanabe is just great as the sad farmer with a bloody past and the ruthless killer toward the end. I never knew they remade this. That's pretty cool. Um, I love Unforgiven. I so I'm going to check, the, check this one out. Have you seen it? Uh-uh. Uh, The end scene utilizing old-fashioned guns and samurai swords is really kick-ass. I love flicks taking place in a time of social turmoil and change from one society or way of life into the next. This has the usual a lot of uh, this has usually a lot of potential. I've not seen the original in a long time, but I really like this take on the story. Um, Of course, this film would have a, a hard time to succeed the original. But there's enough great stuff in here, especially regarding the change of society in Japan at the time. There's too much in the Zalowski flick for a short email, but it is a must-see for fans of Kinski, Testy, or Schneider, and just a great look at on difficulties in romantic relationship and the drama that can develop from the impossibility of expressing one's emotions. Not exactly an entertaining watch, but well worth it and way more accessible than Possession. All the best and kind regards from Yarmini, Armin. Thank you, sir. I need to take a drink of beer after that. Um, So while I'm drinking, we will play a voicemail. Hey, dorks. Uh, This is uh, your (laughs) listener, Dave, from Texas. Um, I uh, just wanted to call in with some feedback. Um, I I can't... uh, I mean, you guys did such a brilliant job with uh, um, Emperor of the North and, and, and from here to eternity that I, I don't really have anything to add to that. It's, that's just great stuff, man. And, and both those films are, are just so much to me. It means so much to me. And, and, and yeah, Emperor of the North is just something the fuck else. Um, <laughs> but but um, my uh, main thing was I was going to respond to some of the uh, feedback uh, or feedback pardon me, um, <laughs> that uh, old Sly yeah, right. is uh, stunning. I'll leave it at that. Um, and <laughs> I, I would say that, that Christopher Sarkson is the is the greatest uh, 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 singer-songwriter uh, turned actor that, uh, in, yeah, in my book. I love, I pretty much loved everything that he's done. And Blade. Uh, uh, as far as the acting stuff goes, um, but uh, uh, and I would agree. I would completely agree that that Cher is is uh, um, <laughs> is, is a great. That's a great call. Um, and and but but also I would say that, that Madonna's uh, album True Blue is is uh, pretty uh, is pretty great. So um, that's a pretty great pop album. Um, her <clears throat> best, maybe. Um, and ketchup on a hot dog. Uh, I, I got to relate a story that that. Um, well, anyway, no, I don't need to relate that story. It doesn't, doesn't matter. But there is a uh, the <laughs> next door to the the uh, bar that I work at. 
and I'll, I'll post this on the group, but there's a, a, a this hot dog stand on Friday and Saturday night that, that, that does uh, a sriracha, that, that puts sriracha ketchup on a hot dog. Mm. Uh, that is, gosh, it's just, it, it's heavenly. It's, uh, it's so good. Uh, but uh, Don Johnson is uh, the man. <laughs> and um, did somebody actually say come in the butthole on the butthole? <laughs> Um, but uh, anyway, probably. Um, I I love the show, guys, and um, just it, it 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 means so much to me every week, and and uh, I love you, and I'll talk to you guys real soon. Okay, um, and keep doing what you're doing. I Bye-bye. I don't I don't know if Dave wants the story told, but Zom, I will tell you the story that I know about the hot dog. <laughs> okay, it's I'm it's funny. Now. Um, if I hope he, I, I would like, I wish he had said it in his voicemail. I don't know if he just doesn't want it said. So, but I'll tell you, um, tell anyway, you. the, <laughs> <laughs> well, not, I don't know if he wants it to tell it on the air, Oh, but it was oh, you're going to tell me off um, the air or you're going to tell me on the air? Yeah, I'll tell you off the air. Um, and I have, oh. I am totally addicted to Sriracha. I'm squirting that shit on everything lately. So I'm like, I like I, I was eating like uh, mixed vegetables and I just hosed it down with sriracha. That shit's like, spicy, but it's good. Um, did you see the picture of the hot dog he posted? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That I miss hot happen. dogs, man. God, I need to. I need to figure out something. That'd be a good replacement. Anyway, we got one more. One more feed sack. Mm. Here we go. I think. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> And I've been missing out on you guys, you know. Just, you know, when I stripped down in my underpants and I stopped working out in my basement, it's just not the same about uh, you guys being there, you know. So, you know, I know fucking nothing's like back on schedule and shit. You know, you guys come all over the fucking my uh, mansion and shit, you know. We'll get in that basement. We will get so hot and so sweaty, you know. It's going to be great, just like old times, you know. I'll give... Fucking Jason Statham, because if he can come over yeah, as well. Nice. Great fucking shit, man. Great shit, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Really looking forward to hearing what you have to say about Expendables Free, you know? I'm fucking Zom, you're going to love that film. You know, it's got the old guys, it's got the young guys, it's got the fucking the women Expendable in there. It's great. Expendable. <laughs> I'm going to see it someday. I'm sorry, Sly. There was a little confusion with what we were reviewing this week. So we'll get to it eventually, we promise. Eventually. Uh, speaking of which, next week on the show. Um, shit. I've forgotten who has made this recommendation. Um, hang on. i got to look this up because i gotta give got to give credit where credit is due. <laughs> Do do. Um, um, we're looking up stuff, and we're looking up. Who said come in the butthole? 
I don't know. That I mean, that I mean, doesn't sound like something it. we would say. No, we're very classy. Think about it. He probably just made that up. We don't. Come we don't ever. Butthole. Cucumber oh, in the butthole. I saw that today. That wasn't a dream. I did though. too. <laughs> <laughs> you, I can't believe I dropped my fucking icy this week. And you should have seen it too. Man. I bought that icy, and and it was lucky and unlucky at the same time. So I picked it up. And I was too close to the top. You know those dome tops you can get on the yeah. icy? Well, it popped off. And this is in my living room. But my laziness saved the carpet. I did laundry <laughs> about a week ago. And the laundry basket and the um, the handled jug of um, laundry detergent were still sitting in on the living room floor. And the cup, I still I had the, cu- the lid in my hand where it had fallen. The cup completely flipped over 180. And I couldn't do this again if I tried. It landed perfectly on top of the thing of laundry detergent, so the cup was actually like like on like sitting like it was an, an, a second cap for the laundry detergent. <laughs> Granted, half of the icy went down into the laundry basket. I got very minimal on the carpet, but I wasted the whole goddamn thing. So what I was flavor? Very angry. Was it? it was good. It was like apple berry. I'd never had one like oh, that. Oh, that sounds good. Okay, um, R E. Uh, gave us a double to do for next week. Um, and I mentioned Samuel Fuller. So he he would like us to do a um, Pacific Theater campaign double feature. Um, we are going to cover the Samuel Fuller film, Merrill's Marauders, Ooh. from 1962. Um, ah. And... He would like us to double that with Terrence Malick's The Thin Red Line from 1998, one that I've been meaning to watch again since I bought it on iTunes a few weeks ago. Yeah. So I'll have to start that one early because if I wait until to watch a three-hour movie the day we're going to record, I'll be in trouble. Yeah, really. <laughs> have to get the motivation uh, thing back out again. Yeah. The yeah. switch. So Thin Red Line and Merrill's Marauders for next week should be fun. We already have our whole October planned. We don't have to think once. It's awesome. Uh, I hate thinking. <laughs> I do too. I'll tell you what. Um, I, I love dry banana chips now. I have some. I, ha- I have some uh, trail mix in my cabinet right now, and I've been avoiding it because I have not been in the mood for banana chips. And it has been. You haven't, you haven't been on the trail. Yeah. Well, no. Um, cool. You can always send us feed sack to two zero six three three nine sixteen hundred or silver gold podcast at gmail dot com. Uh, find our show on our website at silvaandgold.com or on iTunes or on Stitcher Radio. Do it. Uh, spread um, the word. Spread Children the word. Of the ages, listen to Silver and Gold. Spread your butt cheeks too. What? Well, that's nice. Um, so, yeah, that's about it for this week. Zom's got to go to work and I have to go to bed. Yeah. Weird, weird, weird. Um, Chip. I think that's about it. Uh, Zon, do you have anything else? I have nothing to offer the show. <laughs> At all. At all. Well, until next week, <laughs> this is a loaf. Oot. Bye. Part noise.